0: Today's show, comedian, actor, and SNL's co-head
1: writer, Michael Che. A 220-carat diamond known as The Rock will become the largest white diamond ever auctioned off. Wow, 220 carats. I mean, can you imagine the size of the child who mined that? (laughs) Only on The Howard Stern Show.
2: (laughs) Guy, funny guy. Jay. He's written some funny bits I was uh, thinking about him last night He wrote that bit <laughs> You know, there's a bunch of them actually that are running through my brain I probably shouldn't talk about this, I should just wait for him to come in But, you know, he's got a TV show where uh, he does stand up And then they have sketches in between It's called... Um, that, that damn Dan michael Che, michael che. Yeah. yeah it's good it's in its second season i've only seen a couple episodes but they've always been good i gotta go back and watch the whole thing but um
3: yeah i was interested in the cast it seems like he has a a group of uh comedians and actors he loves and he he works them there.
2: yeah like dave attell I I notice every comedian, whenever they get a show, they give Dave Attell a little part. (laughs) Dave (laughs) Attell is that guy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like, everyone wants to be friends with Dave Attell. I don't know. No, but he wrote the bit. In his stand-up, he does a bit about... He says, you ever see a homeless guy with a big dick, and then you don't feel so sorry for him? I think that's just one of the... That's the funniest bit. And... um, and then, uh, he talks about how women, uh, they don't measure their genitals like men. Cause, cause how would they do it? He says, you have to like pour something in there. He says, well, yeah, I got, yeah, you know, like, like men have a big dick. He goes, yeah, women, That what are they going to say? Have two cups of pussy in there? <laughs> it's like, it's just funny. Uh, and how on January 6th, he was more impressed with, um, white. Those white people, then like black uh, people who go take to the street and do looting because white people were trying to steal the Constitution. Yeah. And then he says, but I, he goes, I don't know why they were dressed as Vikings. He goes, "What? what happened to the white sheets? I mean, <laughs> when did that change? Uh, he's a funny dude, Michael Che. I can see why he's had Ryder. On Saturday Night Live. Interesting
3: way of looking at life, yes.
2: The best joke he ever wrote, hands down, was he said that he didn't think white people should get the day off for Juneteenth, you know, that black holiday. He goes, it's like celebrating the day you stopped hitting your wife. (laughs) And it's true. Like, why should white people get off for Juneteenth? (laughs) They caused the problem. (laughs) It's funny shit.
3: Well, you know what Juneteenth Uh, is? That was Texas didn't even tell the black people they were free. And they didn't find (laughs) out. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> right why tell them? let them figure it out for themselves
3: yeah it was like uh, two years after slavery it was what we're what we're free
2: <laughs> he's got a lot of good material michael che he wrote a bit i'm going to talk to him about all this by the way but by the way juneteenth is a serious xm holiday which is so great i don't think i should be allowed to celebrate i'm sorry robin um you know
3: I didn't think you did celebrate. Weren't we here on June?
2: No, no, no. I celebrated. I was here. I don't know. Maybe. Chances are we did (laughs) by accident. But I'm going to order all white employees to work that day based on that comedy bit. (laughs) No, but he wrote a bit. And uh, it never got on TV. But it should have been. It was a bit, or maybe it did. I'm trying to, you know, some of this stuff I don't even remember. But Michael Che, he's he's a guy, if you were going to start a TV show, you'd want him to write for the show. You know what I mean? I can see why Saturday Night Live values him so much. Because he's got some funny bits. But um, there's a bunch of bits that he describes that never got on the air that he wrote. And one of them, I can't believe they didn't get on the air because it's so funny. The idea to me, anyway, it's called Half Viagra. And the concept mm. was it was a fake commercial. For a product called half a Viagra. Instead of getting a full Viagra, you get half. And the reason for it is not to have sex, but like when you go to the doctor and stuff, you could be semi chubbed up so that your dick looks big. And when I heard about this bit, I said, this is fucking the greatest bit ever. You
3: want that drug, right?
2: Oh, do I want it? <laughs> like if you go to it, you know, I am so pea shy. I can't stand at a urinal in a stadium while other guys are peeing and pee because i i'm I'm afraid you know my dick this isn't impressive and i know that's why i'm pee shy and uh, this half viagra would would cure that (laughs) (laughs) anyway he's funny michael che we'll talk to him later he's got a bunch of stuff to talk about and i wasn't crazy yesterday when i told you robin that uh michael che was uh retiring because there was an announcement made that he was retiring but then it was no he is not retiring so i wasn't crazy i went and looked it up would you um, come into
3: retirement he's not quitting working period no he was no just- no
2: he loves stand-up though yeah he loves stand-up his thing is man i'd rather just have a full-time career perfecting my stand-up but listen he's making a he's making a big payday and can get a lot of fame and then, you then know, he and do lot- that
3: <laughs> he can yeah. wait a little while he's got some time
2: nah he wants it now <laughs> anyway, Michael, che. hey, so yesterday, let me get to a bunch of things here. This is so silly, but uh, I was reading this, and it got my mind going. The, uh, this is an obituary. guy who died was this guy, uh, Jim Seals. Jim Seals was uh, half of a musical uh, duo. He was uh, Seals and Crofts. You probably heard of the band. They had some big hits. They had Summer Breeze. <laughs> WNBC, Summer Breeze. This was a huge hit. I'm sure it was number one. Well, here, I'll play you the hook.
4: Summer Breeze makes me feel fine Glory going through the, the
2: jasmines of, of your of my mind. Ja- I thought it was the jasmines of your mind, but uh, then they had Diamond. Uh, they had a bunch of hits. This one, Get Closer. Uh, they had this one. They yeah, had, they wrote this one. I'm
4: not talking about moving in, and
2: I don't want to change your life. That's in Lundan and John Ford, Cully Webb, a fucking Lundan is, but. Oh, they never had a number 1 hit, just a bunch of top 10 singles in the mid 70s. Anyway, they had big careers and then I always remember about them. This is my recollection of Seals and Crofts. I was dating a girl, my first sort of what I thought was a real girlfriend. Turned out she wasn't my real girlfriend.
3: <laughs> you had a girlfriend but she didn't
2: have a boyfriend. That's Yeah, that's <laughs> I had a pretty embarrassing love life until I got famous. But uh Definitely <laughs> getting famous definitely improves your love life. I can I can I can swear to that. But. uh Oh, I see. England Dan was Jim Seals brother. I didn't know that. I, oh, I'm who not knew that? who got so deep into the weeds on Seals and Crofts. But I almost did because I was dating this girl. I was about 16. And, uh, you know, madly in love with her. And she was really into music. And she said to me, oh, I want to turn you on. And she was all artsy and everything. She, um, she was in that school of performing arts, blah, 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 you know. So I was all taken with that because I had dreams of being in show business and I was like, wow, she really is already in show business. She's at the school of performing arts, you know, where fame was made and everything. And I was like, how the fuck, how the fuck do I get into show business? So, you know, like how to, I'm, no one's looking at me for school of performing arts. I don't, I wouldn't even have the balls to audition. I always thought it was kind of cool that I became famous and big in show business and she didn't. I kind of like that. But anyway, in fact, I it drives me to this day. Anyway, I uh, so she said to me, hey, I want to turn you on to new music. I always felt for women who turned me on to new music. I dated this other girl who used to turn me on to music. And it was so, I don't know why that's an aphrodisiac to me, but it is. When women know about music and the new music and they turn me on to it. I, date, I dated a woman used to bring me over a mixtape. And, oh my God, blew my fucking mind. We banged to the mixtape. <laughs> oh my God, it was so romantic. We'd be banging to the mixtape. Can you fucking imagine me? Somebody cared enough about me to make me a This is the first. You've
3: never told us about girls who made music for you or turned you on to music.
2: Well, it's only these two. And let me tell you something. It rocks my world. I don't know why. I think because I'm so hungry for like someone to love me and I feel so unloved that this felt like the greatest gift ever. Somebody would bother to turn me on to new music. And uh being 16, I got turned on she played me The Seals and Crofts album, the the one the one that's just called Seals and Crofts. I think they had a, like three albums before that that went nowhere, but that album before they got famous That's what turns me on. She knew about them before they got famous. In fact, once they got famous, she didn't care about them. But she said, hey, listen to this album. And every song on that Seals and Crofts album was good. Really was. It was way ahead of its time. You know, soft rock, but good. Like, solid songwriting. And I felt so cool that I knew about this band. Because I never knew about bands before they came out. I'm not a Meg Griffin where, you know, you're part of the scene and you know the cool music. I didn't know anything. So all of a sudden, I'm going around to people... Hey, man, you got to check out Seals and Crofts. You know, it gave, me, it gave me a personality. I would tell friends of mine, yeah, man, you got to get into these guys because no one knew of them. And I felt very special that I knew about Seals and Crofts. And then when they got famous.
3: Were th- was it Crofts or Croft?
2: Crofts. It was? Yes, at the end. Seals and Crofts. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Robin, get with
3: it. No, no, no. C R O. I heard of them.
2: C R O F T S. Seals and Crofts, and then these guys went on to have more hits. I wasn't that interested in them after that initial album, but his name was Dash Crofts. Dash Crofts. From if I think I have that right, but anyway, Seals. Jim Seals died. He was eighty years old. Uh, they never got in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I think I could make a good argument. They had a bunch of hits. They, you know, but they're not cool. And what did them in, this is some fucking horror story. Um, What did them in, I remember, I hated them. They got into this thing called the Baha'i Faith. I know. I never heard of it either.
3: Oh, it was uh, big, though, at one time.
2: Well, listen, it, you know my feeling on religion. We should only allow three religions in the United States. It's enough with all these religions, it's too many. No,
3: that was like one of the first. Like, oh, I'm Baha'i.
2: Baha'i, <laughs> what the Baha'i faith was, is you believe in all religions. It's, it's <laughs> ridiculous. I would say,
3: Baha'i, no. bye bye. <laughs>
2: all right, well, anyway, they got into it, and one of their big things was they were against any kind of abortion, you know, very adamant about it. And they were coming out in the 70s with this stance. When people were really, like today, on fire about abortion. And, you know, if you were into women's choice, you didn't want to hear about these guys. And then they came out with an album called Unborn Child. And when this album came out, Unborn Child, you were like, fuck you, Seals and Crofts. You motherfuckers. You know how many coat hanger abortions are going on in the United States? Oh, my God speaking of michael che who's coming in today i got to say one other bit he wrote that is so fucking funny you got to see it. it's in the first episode of his tv show it's a the new abortion. season
3: or the uh new, the season,
2: second, new second season second second
3: season okay. yeah i watched that last there's
2: a night. there's a um the abortion has been uh outlawed and so now you got to go to this karate teacher his whole thing is he kicks you in the stomach to get <laughs> rid of your baby for you know and it, the whole bit is this, they go, you see these women standing there with their big bellies and he's kicking them, doing side kicks and flying kicks into their belly. And it's fucking funny. It is so funny. But anyway, Seals and Crofts, they uh, came out with this album, Unborn Child, and uh, that's it. All the hippies, everybody, anybody who had any kind of liberal leaning on the abortion issue, you want to fucking know this guy. And by the way, who do you think was buying their music? It wasn't these yahoos. It was the hippies, so uh, that was it. It was over. That was over for them. Goodbye. Good go, goodbye. Seals and Crofts. Well, fuck yourself. But they stuck. They stuck to it. They didn't backpedal. Give them that. Good. Uh, for them. They, uh, yeah. uh,
3: you know, we don't have. We got a bunch of slithering snakes now that never stick to anything. I like a person who will stick to their beliefs
2: and go right down with the ship. Go we down with them. Yeah, you go, man. You go. <laughs> yeah donna donna in new
5: york is on the air hey howard robin love you um i used to work with a sound crew and you know Seals and cross were famous popular for about five minutes back in the 1970s we worked a concert of theirs at a little private girls college in virginia or west virginia and after the concert was over we had to quickly get to the manassas guard armory to do a concert that was canned heat who were also way past their prime at the end of the, this concert seals and cross said we'd like to speak to you about our religion yeah and then launched into this thing about bahai yeah which i guess is what you're talking about too it's it?
2: like if at the end of the uh, new um um Tom Cruise movie if he started doing a rap on Scientology it's fucking crazy like uh um I don't know what happened with these guys they became zealots like nobody you know after you see a concert, you kind of don't want to hear two guys talking about their faith, which is you know hey fine, you have your faith cool but they they became so identified and so hell bent on proselytizing this religion that I feel it did in their career, but they didn't care
5: I don't know, I think they sucked already. <laughs>
2: Yeah, well, they were talented dudes.
5: Played, all those songs you just played, they they all sound exactly the same.
2: All right, okay, music so critic so here, baby. Band. I'm with you. Me.
5: I was
3: never a fan. I was like, oh, my God. Man. That first like album, no. Wallpaper.
2: If I had the first, you know, if this was the old days of, uh, you know, radio, when I had a turntable and an album, I would needle drop on the album. You know, I used to like to do and that. And you drop
3: on one shitty song after another.
2: Oh, come on. You're being mean <laughs> now.
3: And you couldn't tell which song it was. It just didn't matter. They were
2: talented guys. They were talented guys. Stop.
3: Some so that, that, that was I know a girl introduced you to it and, she, mm. and then she slept with you maybe or something. Barely. And she actually did it.
2: <laughs> well, we kind of did it. I d- don't don't I don't want to get into the weeds <laughs> on that relationship, but it uh, still haunts me to this day. <laughs> I kind of didn't know what I was doing.
4: She I don't have have more to do with it than this music
2: yeah. being good. And by the way, she didn't exactly sleep with me. What happened was we discussed doing it for like an hour, and then we <laughs> did it, which lasted a second, and then everyone put their clothes on and went home.
3: There was no <laughs> sleeping involved. About, really it was there. a disaster. Yeah.
2: Nobody slept with me. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody wanted to hang around long enough to sleep. I wish, you know, that would have been romantic to me if somebody would have slept with me. (laughs) Yeah, you'd
3: probably still be listening to Seals and (laughs)
2: Inc. Back in those days, you had to hurry up, get dressed, and hope your parents didn't come home and interrupt. (laughs) All right. Thank you. I love love you, too. There you go. Cut her off on the love uh, talk. (laughs) This anyway, that's uh, nobody's.
3: You haven't played that
2: music once in the entire time I've known you. You love no. It. I mean, that's it's great. dated now. It's dated now. But back in the day, those guys, they they, they had talent. Don't don't. Now, be so what cavalier. I remember
3: about them, they used to show up. That that was when uh, Mike Douglas would be cool when he'd yeah. have Seals
2: and Crofts. <laughs> and then they get into the Baha'i faith, talk. right? <laughs> Jim Seals, a musician who scored a series of hits, including "Summer Breeze." As half of the popular 70s duo, Seals and Cross has passed away at the age of 80. Uh, his death was announced on social media by his cousin Brady Sales. Uh, Soupy's Oh, I'm sorry, uh, I, didn't,
3: I shouldn't denigrate his music mm. on the day you're talking about his yeah. death. Uh, born
2: in 1942 to an oil man, Seals won a fiddle contest at the age of 10 before learning the saxophone at 13. And uh, then went on, blah, blah, blah. Oh, during the late 50s and 60s, Seals and future duet partner Dash Crofts played in The Champs, who had the instrumental hit Tequila. Wow. That's yeah. weird. Oh, although both joined the band after they had the hit. Oh. They backed up okay. uh, Glenn Campbell before officially forming Seals and Crofts. Um, yeah. So, and they had a slew of hits. And they were dropped by Warner Brothers in nineteen eighty after the market switched to disco well, there you go he didn't go well, something on and on and on. to
3: thank disco for okay
2: <laughs> Seals is survived by Ruby Jean, his wife of fifty seven years and three children okay I'm family sorry, name. i
3: didn't i i didn't like your dad's music, but I'm sorry he's gone.
2: Well, I don't think you knew enough about his music. You didn't buy that. I album. listened to I that
3: crap. You couldn't get away from it. It was.
2: like No, you're talking about the hits. I'm talking about the whole album was good. You don't know what Look, you're talking uh, about. You loved.
3: Uh, what's his name? Too, the, that uh,
2: Cat Stevens. Uh, oh, I love
3: ridiculous, him. Ridiculous. Awful.
2: And. uh Yeah, no, that first album was really good. Innovative. Anyway.
3: Well, there what I else? With you you never heard the whole album. I'll tell you why. I'll go listen to it.
2: Well, you know, uh, listen, you know I love you and everything. I don't want (laughs) to get into this with you, but you can't say you didn't love an album you've never heard. That sounds like that woman who... I didn't
3: love any of the music enough to go listen to an album.
2: Okay, but I'm telling you the album was fantastic. You got to take my word for it. Stop it. Some of those songs you
3: just played had to be on that album.
2: One of them, Summer Breeze. Summer Breeze. The other ones are uh, subsequent albums. No. But uh, the first album, very very well, good. Well, you and said everyone you was great. Why didn't everyone why, become a let hit? Let me ask you something. Why are you commenting on something you didn't hear? You can't keep no, no, arguing. no,
3: I'm asking you a question
2: now. What? What? Listen, go to um, <laughs> go to the Rolling Stones. There are there are songs on their albums that are brilliant that were never hits, but they were you know, they were great songs. You know that.
3: Yes, I do know that about come the
2: Stones. On. Of course. You
3: couldn't have been guys. swayed by this girl having turned you on so well, much so.
2: that you she told me judge about it. music. But I went and listened to it and I loved it. It was a great album. Give the, the guy his due. He just died. You, you never heard the album.
3: I can't give I, I really don't You won't like give him credit. Those songs
2: you just play. Okay, but you never heard well, the first they, Seals they and Crofts album. Music.
3: They were uh, capable uh, musicians, that's for sure.
2: So you feel comfortable saying the first album they made was shitty, even though you never heard it.
3: No, you said it wasn't even the first album. See, I can catch you. Right.
2: Both. I'll go it listen to
3: the first album and the that Seals didn't and go Crow. anywhere.
2: No, that that one I don't know. I've never heard <laughs> that myself, so I won't comment on it. But the fourth I guess it was their fourth album, the Seals and Crofts album. That was a winner.
3: I'm going to go listen to him. And you should go listen to him. My mind
2: changed. All right. (laughs) You kind of, you kind of shit all over the guy's obituary. I mean, you really gave it to him. I'm
3: sorry.
2: You really pissed on him. It's
3: the first time you brought him up.
2: (laughs) Wow. You really just did him in. That poor guy. But anyway, (laughs) I told you. uh, I didn't have much love for him when I heard him talking about abortion. I was like, dude, shut your mouth. But he, he listened. He was a man of conviction. He believed what he believed um what else do i want to tell you i got so much to tell you discuss with you um yeah i should play you this this is so much fun (laughs) this is just stupid stuff we'll get to other stuff robin this is um and i gotta read you the fan feedback a lot a lot of people talking about what we're saying on the show but i just love this a few weeks ago if you remember robin we played audio of a woman at an anti-abortion rally who opposed abortion, even in cases of rape? You and I love listening to this stuff because you know it's just like, it, even if you're against abortion, I mean, in the case like you could say to these people, a seven year old just got raped by her two uncles, and the babies, um, they, and also the baby is, um, what's the word they use, uh, not retarded, but uh, uh,
3: uh Down mentally syndrome. challenged, mentally has challenged. A, a, a... Defect. down syndrome yeah.
2: Yeah. So, i don't know whatever whatever birth defects the the baby has mosaicism it's uh, literally not going to make it past the day old and right. it'll be born in pain okay how's that uh and you tell them that and they go oh no that baby's a gift that baby's a miracle so anyway this was the um uh, here. This is the woman we played, and you and I go nuts from this. Would you allow abortion in a case
6: of rape or incest?
7: No, because that child is not a fault. And I know many people who were raped and had their children. And actually, these children were the source of happiness for them, of healing.
2: So after we heard this, Robin and I went nuts, and I started doing a whole bunch of impressions of this woman, talking about how great rape babies are and how yes, they're, they're Everybody loves
3: them, and they make Everyone love them. <laughs>
2: So my crew here chopped up my voice and uh, called a radio show, a very conservative, but beyond conservative. I mean, these guys sound completely, you know, nuts about this, but they use my voice to call in about rape, baby. And these guys seem to like me. I won them over. Yeah, I thought it was funny. I was listening to it. I mean, listen to this.
6: If a woman has, is raped and she wants to have a, an abortion on top of it, who in their right freaking mind would say it's okay to murder a child? It's absolutely disgusting. Disgusting. Well, I got some callers here on the line. I, I don't like keeping people waiting. Uh, 337, you want to uh, jump in here in the conversation? Yes. Yes, sir. It's unbelievable. My friend was raped by her uncle. She had the baby. Amen. And the rape baby, that's what we call her, The rape baby just graduated from Harvard. Well, that's 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 a blessing. Yeah, that's definitely a blessing, uh, and and that can happen. I mean, uh, but uh, you know, and most people will have an abortion after after yes. that, or they, you know, or, it was I, wonderful. And now they're ha- my friend was very sad. Used to be on antidepressants. Yeah. And once she got raped, she was so happy. I, I mean, uh, through God's law, though, any type of abortion is is a sin. I murder. would imagine. I mean, even murder. is murder, right? Murder, right? She didn't yeah. love the rape, but the baby she loved so much. Well, that's 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 a blessing. Yeah, that's definitely a blessing. Uh, rape is like a fun surprise. Well well child yeah, a child is born. Yeah, it's a gift from God. Now
2: I think about it, I don't know any women who haven't been raped and had a baby. Uh, yeah. And
6: all are happy. It's That's a
2: life. Right.
6: It's a life. Amen. It's a
2: life.
5: Right.
6: It's they a life. always are successful. They grow up very, very successful. Yeah, I gotta agree with you there. I mean Did you it, realize it, that a rape
2: baby found the cure for COVID? Wow. Well, And right now, there are two rape babies working on a cure for cancer, and they are this close.
6: Yeah, I believe they have a cure for cancer. I believe cancer is cured out there. I believe they do have a cure, and they're keeping it quiet. Do you know our president, Joe Biden, was a rape baby? Joe Biden?
8: (laughs) Yeah, I think Joe Biden's a living abortion.
6: And the only baby we know that wasn't a rape baby was Hitler. Good point. So glad you brought that up. Yes. So glad you brought that up. If you are raped, especially by family members, be sure to have the baby, because great things will come of this. Adoption. Adoption. He was a doctor. Very good. That, Very good. You know, all life should not be murdered. There should be no life out there murdered. We don't have, you know, unless, you know, you you you, you kill somebody. Yes. And, uh, you know, yeah, you openly admit it. I mean, the death penalty, 90, right? Here's a statistic. Ninety-five percent of my friends have been raped
2: and enjoyed having their baby. Yeah.
6: And yeah. a woman's right to do what she wants with her body? What is that? What? Where's the moral kind of moral conscience for an immoral person to want to kill a child?
2: Yeah. It's a blessing.
6: And I'll tell you something else. There's some parents listening. You know what? I lived a perverted life before I came to the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to tell you something. You better put some clothes on your daughters. You ought to have some shame for yourself. Yes. I traveled all the way down to Florida and back, and I stopped at many rest areas because I got a bad heart, and I got to stop the rest. And I'm going to tell you what I saw girls wearing clothes that were young girls that had no business wearing it the, the, up above the cheeks of their butt.
9: It's unbelievable.
6: What is wrong with people? Yeah. Unbelievable. Unreal. Rape baby. There you go. So uh let me wrap okay. it up. Everybody, God bless the republic. Until next time, be safe out there. Keep standing up against the new world order. You are the resistance. The answer to 1984 is 1776. God bless. Take care. One
10: hundred men. Okay. Oh, well,
11: <laughs> There's a song you can hate. Oh, boy. Uh, <laughs>
2: I actually, I always had a hard on for that song. The Green Beret guy who sang, I was like, you know, good for him. But anyway. Uh, you know, that call to me is so great. It doesn't matter what anyone says, but here's the bottom line. And you know, this to be true. Those two dudes, I don't know. I, you know, good luck. If they could get pregnant after being raped, they would get rid of that baby so fast. They have no fucking idea. I don't know. Well, when I it comes it to men
3: that he said, what does this woman's right to her body have mean? What is like, like what? You have yeah. a right to say whatever's going to happen to your body as a man. Nobody can tell you you have to carry something or or crap it out no matter how it got in there or whether you can handle it or not. But women don't have any rights is basically what he's saying. Once you're born a woman, you do what we tell you to do.
2: Men love telling women what to do. They do what they should do. Uh, I know, man. If I if the shoe was on the other foot and some fucker raped me, I don't want his baby. How do you like that? I don't want that thing growing inside How of me. About go,
3: you just don't like the guy. You made a mistake and slept with somebody. You don't want to be tied to him for the rest of your life.
2: Any 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 scenario you point to me, I'm cool <laughs> with you doing what you need to do for your body. I'm cool really? with that. And you or, wanna have the ba-
3: You are um, you know, you're stuck in poverty, and you're trying to change that. You don't want to bring somebody else into it.
2: And I'm sure those two have adopted many babies who uh, they're probably adoption, got a house full of them. Adoption.
3: Yeah, you keep throwing that
2: in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That works if it's, out.
3: If, if it's family members, adoption.
2: <laughs> right. Anyway, so I like that phone call. I wanted to share that with you and uh, that let amazing. you check that out. I mean,
3: they could agree with anything.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Rape baby, and, rape. I just keep yelling rape baby and they love right. it.
3: Right. They're just fine know. with it.
2: Yeah. Uh, and I'm sure those two support higher taxes for schools and child health care. I, oh, I just can all tell. The
3: programs that would help these rape babies, yes.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there was a couple of things I wanted to... Uh, oh, Okay. Let me read you the fan feedback from yesterday because some of it I think is important. We talked to a dude who's going through a divorce. He said he was going to represent himself in court. And I told him, I don't think that was a good idea. A lot of people, a lot of people agreed with me. Uh, Joe certainly needs a lawyer. (laughs) Guys representing themselves are always a disaster in court. Uh, judges might be willing to indulge their inexperience for a few days, but they almost always implode and upset the judge. Yeah, that that was what I was trying to say. I know that yeah. one guy called in, and he said he had success representing himself, but that is the exception and not the rule. Howard, I can hear the anger in Joe's voice. His story gets more convoluted every time he talks. I don't even know his wife, but after that call, I believe her. <laughs> so there's a guy who wouldn't do testify. that. Well. No, nope. the fact is even... <laughs> The fact it's even possible to represent yourself in court shows you what a joke the justice system is. Judges and juries are a joke, too. Imagine being sentenced by morons who aren't smart enough to lie their way out of jury duty. And there you go. There's somebody who says no jury is smart enough, but that's a little arrogant. Um, oh, we were talking to Mike Trainer, who writes on this show. And Mike Trainer mentioned that he saw me play with the meat puppets, if you want to yeah. call it playing. I went on stage with the Me Puppets back in 1994 at the Beacon Theater in New York. I completely forgot about it, but many fans remember the show. Howard, I was at the show too. I remember being on Cloud Knowing after I saw you on stage. I was more psyched to see you than the Stone Nguyen. Temple pilots. How do you like that? Somebody was that wow. thrilled. Wow. And look, we dug up a picture of me. Here I am back you in the day. You got
3: photographic proof now.
2: Yeah. Can you see that? There I am with the Me Puppets. You see all yes, of us. All us cute guys. No wonder Absolute, you, were hot for you me. look
3: like a member of the band.
2: I do. In fact, I look like I'm more in the band than they are. <laughs> no wonder you were in love with me. Look how cute I was in that picture. No wonder, look you, came, at you. No wonder you couldn't keep your pants on every minute you You're were around dreamy.
3: me. you
2: I am. Uh, that show was killer. Stone Temple Pilots had the stage set up like a living room. That's right. The Meat Puppets had just recorded Unplugged in New York with Nirvana several months prior. And it was so cool to see my hero, Howard Stern, perform Lake of Fire on stage with them. It was such a cool time of music. Our crack staff went out and uh it turns out they can, the Meat Puppets came on the show a few weeks a few weeks later and I played with them in studio. Who remembers oh. any of this? I I accompanied I accompanied them on guitar for an in studio performance on Lake of Fire, so I guess You must have busted my balls and said, "Let me see what the hell you did with these guys." (laughs) (laughs) So I had to prove it to you. (laughs) Uh, So here's a little bit of Lake of Fire, all the way back in 1994. This is me jamming with the Meat Puppets. You asked me what I did with them on stage, and now you will hear it. What song are we playing? Stand Up. I prefer not to.
3: Oh, I thought you were going to move around do all your moves. Oh, please. I can't do
2: both. It's an inner glow. you got to unplug me if I'm going to do my moves.
3: This is a
2: lake of fire, Howard. Want it ready? Lake of fire is what we're playing?
4: Yeah, lake of fire. Yeah. Okay. That's me. Three, four.
2: Not bad. I could hear the guitar up. I'm playing something. You're
3: not playing that.
2: No,
4: that's not bad.
6: I'm just playing G. (laughs) Yeah. I can do that. Do I?
2: Anyway, there it is me <laughs> you know what i i listen to those old shows and i i get crazy when i hear the music performances because i
3: know we didn't do music reason, justice then yeah
2: no we got a wonderful team here at sirius xm you you guys know when we have a musical guest the music sometimes you know when harry styles was on i got so many letters from people who said not only did harry sound great they said i have the uh, the album version of what he was playing, and it sounded better in your studio than what he put Mm -hmm. out on the album. Where's that? Hey, where's those, uh, I don't know if you still have them, guys, those Harry Styles performances, do you have them? And I received so many emails from people saying, man, I can't believe how good it sounds in your studio. Well, let me tell you, uh, honestly, we don't say this enough. We have so many talented engineers and things, and, and people who put this together with the bands and we really put we, we we had meetings where we would sit for for weeks on end and complain about what was wrong and then fix it and so uh there's a lot of people i could credit for those great performances but like the, the like here's boyfriends listen to the quality
4: You're so easy They take you for granted
3: beautiful when you get howard i had that experience i was driving in my car and i was listening to something and this song came on i was like that sounds vaguely familiar right and then i was like oh my god that's the song he was doing in the studio and you couldn't hear those harmonies clearly on the album track
2: or whatever they're
3: yeah. playing, as it is here. It was amazing.
2: Well, back in the day when we were at uh, K-Rock, when the Me Puppets were on, I love the Me Puppets. I love those songs they do. And those guys are really fun guys. They, they, yeah. they just had a real sense of humor about the whole rock industry. They didn't take themselves too seriously. But uh, uh, but anyway, I will credit uh, a, mu- a bunch of people on our show, but, but uh, we'll mention Chris Gibbons, who is the engineer responsible for uh making sure those performances go well and he's just been a real asset to this show and he does a beautiful job, Chris. And uh so
9: Thank you, 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 thank you. He should
2: he should talk about how difficult it is to all together. He should
9: take
2: a bow, yes. Yeah. You want to take a bow, Chris? Yes, thank you, thank you, my mistress. Thank you, my mistress. By the way, you can go on our app and watch the Harry Styles performances. I know he's got a lot of fans, and uh, they're worth oh my watching. God. They're if worth watching. you
3: can take it,
2: because nah, something at you. to watch. <laughs> look at you. Is that who you want? That's the latest?
3: You know that.
2: <laughs> no, I didn't know. What do I know what's going on in your head with that stuff? Oh I don't want to. Hmm. What would you do to him if you could have? uh, I don't
3: pass that feeling. I don't. I don't start fantasizing. I'm not like a guy. It's (laughs) jump in my pussy, please.
2: Yes. (laughs) (laughs) That was your inner voice. Well, what is it? In other words, you imagine. Let me understand the the mind of a woman. Um, You imagine what that he's at your house and he's nude. How far does it go? No,
3: no, it doesn't. There's no story. It's you're not blowing him. Feeling. It's this feeling of surrender, like, yeah, I could just melt into him.
2: Wow! If you had your choice, Timothy Chalamet mm. or um, Harry Styles, who you who you melting oh, into?
3: Now there's a a real <laughs> hair splitter, right? <laughs> Let's see, Timothy Chalamet,
2: or yeah, or. Uh, or Harry or, or, or. Styles. Right. I think I'm going with Harry. Wow! Music wins. So you like a Twinkie kind of guy? Like you like a a guy? You don't? You're not fantasizing a, about what? the rock. <laughs> you 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 don't fantasizing about like the Rock, some pumped no. up dude. You like <laughs> you like a nice skinny boy. You know. Where so where does let, let, let me give you some brackets? So what about okay. like a all right? I'll give you a tough one. Brad Pitt. You know, in his heyday. uh, Well, he can.
3: You know, you can keep Brad Pitt right now. Brad Pitt's doing well. What do you mean? That you know, you could take Brad Pitt now and put him against somebody. Yeah. Oh,
2: okay, okay. Brad Pitt now, or Harry Styles.
3: I'm taking Harry, though.
2: Wow! (laughs) Wow, boy, this kid is on fire. Look at this.
3: Well, there's something. There's also something about him you know like he's 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 spiritual you know like
2: and when he wears that whole
3: attitude about you know supporting other people's right to be whoever they are and
2: his fluidity.
3: i mean all of it just works
2: even the 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 the, uh, feminine necklaces the green necklace everything i went home
3: and I zoomed in.
2: Ah, <laughs> uh, you did. You mean you actually looked <laughs> at pictures? Home.
3: I'm already right. All right, you <laughs> and went onto your computer
2: and you looked. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. What about okay? I guess knowing you and knowing what you know, Sean Connery in his prime, who I know you loved yeah. as James Bond. Yeah, I or, love it. Or um, I know you love Dick, but I'm giving you choices. Stop it, robin <laughs> Big uh, Dick sh- energy. <laughs> Okay. All right. Now this. See, this is what happens. I can't talk to you about this stuff. You start blurting out.
3: <laughs> I get so giddy and yelling. Yeah. You, yelling no. Things out.
2: I'll Fuck give you me. a couple more. All right. Sean Connery in his prime or Harry Styles.
3: No, I mean Harry.
2: Got Harry a okay.
3: All 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 day long.
2: Bradley Bradley Cooper, who we've had on the show. Love You've Bradley. Seen him in, uh, Bradley yeah. Cooper nice or Harry. Okay. Nice penis, sure. Bradley Cooper. <laughs> nice or, penis. I understand. I heard you the first time. Bradley Cooper or Harry Styles? Harry Styles, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'll give you one last one, and then I'm done penis, with. Penis. 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 George Clooney.
3: Oh, you or... can't put George on any list because I've Why? never thought of George Clooney that way. Oh.
2: Okay. All right. Then I love George
3: Clooney, but right. I don't. I don't get the the. The All right.
2: thing. On our I knew this was gonna happen. On our phone is uh Sean Connery who wants to <laughs> yell at Robin. Go ahead, Mr. Connery.
6: You bitch. Oh <laughs> dick. I should come over there and give you a slap. You sound what? like you need one. Oh, that's well, ridiculous.
3: Well that's part of the reason I'm turned off to you, you know? Like you were beautiful, but you batted women around.
6: No, you listened. You know, women, they enjoyed it. I'd prescribe it like Tylenol, you know, one in the morning, one in the evening. Call me later.
2: Ha ha ha, ha. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here's the last one. Uh You're not Jake... even giving
3: Harry any competition. Come on.
2: All right, I'm gonna do it now. Now this is gonna this is gonna <laughs> fuck your head up. All right. This is one you're gonna have to think about. Right. Harry Styles or Jake Gyllenhaal?
3: I knew you were going to do that to me. Yeah,
2: poor woman. <laughs> come on, give, me, give it to me. Uh, mm, see, but I tell you. Jake Gyllenhaal. Jake Gyllenhaal.
3: Hey, what you got in your pants? <laughs> I got to go with
2: Jake. You got to go with Jake. Oh, Jesus. Jake. Wow. Wow. Hey,
3: you want me to lick your ass? <laughs>
2: <laughs> Where does that come from? Uh I don't know. Wow. Somebody must have said
0: that and I was repeating what they I said. prefer the S. Right. Good for you. Wow. Yeah. Wow, wow, I,
3: wow. I, uh, I was just reading about Jake Gyllenhaal.
2: <laughs> I bet you were. <laughs> I bet you were. I'll tell you. Um, excuse me, Robin. Uh look who it is. Mr. Arnold Schwarzenegger, former oh. governor. I should say Governor Arnold Schwarzenegger.
8: I. Robin, come on. You don't like the men with the big muscles? What's wrong with you? I would fuck your brains out and you would love it. Yeah. Come a Come on. Lot of the, Let's
2: a lot do of, this. Uh, Arnold, I got to agree. A lot of the guys she's into look like they need a meal. I mean, they look like they're gonna <laughs> They look like they need <laughs> they to go to collapse. the gym. <laughs> I, I yeah, think go
8: drink a protein shake, you little wimps. Come
2: on. I think what you, well, I, I think Robin wants a man who she can beat up, you know what no. I'm saying? i can make my
8: pecs bounce up and down it's really hard look at this
3: (laughs) (laughs) i will tell you like while i say i'm not into people like you who you know men who build themselves up like that i did swoon a little bit the first time we met
8: i know it i fucking (laughs) know it robin my cock has muscles
2: yeah yeah, when you fuck, it's like, um, it's almost Arnold, like you're like a horse, right? It's not even like a man. <laughs> like the bed
8: frame would just burst through the wall.
2: And what would you do to Robin specifically? What is your go-to move so Robin can fantasize about you? Well, let me tell you something.
8: I would give you a concussion. You would probably need to wear a helmet and some (laughs) armor or something because I would put you under bed and I would fuck you like a jackhammer. You know, I would pick you up like a little bowling ball, but with my cock. You know, and I'd use (laughs) you like a like a big heavy punching bag. You know, yeah. Are you saying if
2: Robin? Are you saying Robin would be in the doggy position and then you would pile drive into her so hard that her head would go through the wall?
8: yeah and i would bend her like a pretzel
3: next room right right <laughs>
2: right. her head is in the next room while her body is like like, like it's almost like she's a glory hole like her her well, ass would big,
8: explode into millions of little pieces
2: oh, right God. right right all right you make a good point i think you got robin thinking i i really truly do arnold i'm governor you thank could you.
8: ride my cock like a little seesaw you know like yeah, uh, 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 come on all
2: right well thank you for that you're right you're right You're right. Okay.
3: He makes a good case for himself.
2: Look who's turned on by Harry Styles. You're not the only one. Gary Audiobook. This I gotta hear. Hello, Gary Audiobook. Harry
11: Styles. This is a dream boat. I would love to be stuck on a desert island with Harry and my massive
12: record collection. We'd listen to Be My Baby by the Ronettes and then fuck until the sun
2: came up. Right. Okay. There you go, Gary Audiobug. He's
12: got a whole
3: scenario. Harry I'm just has a
2: nice ring to it. Sorry, John Hine. There's a new
13: man in my life. I would love to hook up with Harry Styles while John Hine stands nearby and jerks. It's dick. Bam, bam, bam,
6: bam. <laughs> Using or-, or
12: seesaw to grease up his big head. Then John Hine would blow a pathetic load into a Roy Rogers cup and drink it in front of me. And Harry Styles, while we call him
13: names like dickhead and fuckboy,
11: <laughs> Jerry, Jerry. <laughs> Jerry all right thank
2: you. all right thank you well there you go i don't remember that book being that good but it was pretty good on there. <laughs> i gotta go
3: back and read that chapter
2: yeah you bet all right so anyway uh yeah so there it is the meat puppets um, they were on our show, and I do lament the fact that some of those early performances from some of the greatest artists in the world, including Stone Temple Pilots and the Me Puppets, you know, I wish we would have had our beautiful audio team over there at uh, K Rock. I do. Yeah. One of my, but look, everything evolves. That's all. Okay. Um, oh, uh, yeah. Michael Rappaport called in yesterday. Some people love Michael, some people hate him, because uh, Tuesday we discussed whether Gary should return to the office because he's been vacationing and going everywhere, Robin. He's not taking any precautions. He Catching goes to COVID concerts. Everywhere. He caught COVID, and I said to him, well, if you're busy running around on vacation everywhere, why can't you come into the office? you got to hear this. I know this is going to set off Michael Rappaport. So Gary's job for us is to go into the office when we have a guest, Mm -hmm. and uh, Michael Che, of course, is coming on today, who I'm excited about. And Gary's supposed to be there to oversee, make sure things go well. He can't (coughs) go in because on his vacation he caught COVID.
3: Oh, (coughs) so now he can't even do the
2: job. That's right. So now, so now we got somebody else scrambling to deal with Michael Che. Because uh, the protocol at Sirius XM is once you've had COVID, you gotta wait at least 10 days before you come back into the office. Right. You know, from the end of symptoms. So. Uh, and he
3: kept vacation, boss! Vacation!
2: Vacation, boss! We went to, what's that concert he went to? We went to Stony Brook. Battle we went, Rock! Oh, but, but, went to Battle Rock, then we went to the uh, show. Sirius XM, who did they have?
3: Oh God! Who
2: did it? Yeah, I mean, he like, went to fifty-seven. He pounds. was so
3: busy, we can't even keep up with him.
2: You wouldn't believe Pink at Bottle Rock. Both Pink was flying around on the trapeze, <laughs> and like, yeah. And what about your job? To be healthy, to come into work. I don't
9: Oops. know. I saw a deaf leopard. Right. That's right. I saw black crows. Right. They were both very good. <laughs> Did I say black crows? <laughs> and, now, and now you have COVID, don't you? I have COVID. By the way, can we wrap this up? I have to get on a plane and go to San Diego. The Mets are playing the Padres tonight, and I don't want to miss it.
2: Gary doesn't miss a thing. Like, Gary cannot entertain himself. He needs entertainment more than anyone I know. I you can, know,
3: well, it was, um, I'm constantly listening to these reports about, you know, people reopening from the pandemic and so forth. And all of the commentators scream that, People now want experiences. They're hungry for experience. They are talking about (laughs) that's right.
2: Yeah, my doctor asked me. He says, "What?" what," He goes, "How are you doing with this pandemic?" And you know, I go, "I'm doing great." I mean, I'm I'm not. I mean, I I could sit in my room all day and entertain myself. Uh, Don't uh, worry about me in terms of burning out and wanting uh, contact with people. Experiences. Exper- Gary right. is a guy. Gary is a guy who wants experiences. That's one yeah. thing I know because he's just like, man, we went to Bottle Rock. Then I flew out to LA. I saw this one. I went over to that and I met with Netflix, blah, 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 blah. And, and there was um, a basket
9: weaving festival in the Napa <laughs> Valley.
2: Mm-hmm, I mean, there mm-hmm. was a hundred thousand people attended the Bottle Rock festival over the course of three days. Yeah. Of course you're going to get COVID, but he's got to have experiences. And then comes <laughs> home. He, he experienced everything but the office. he experienced everything but work
3: and Uh, you know like you're supposed to get sick on vacation because you work not get sick on uh vacation and come back and not be able to work
2: yeah he he was healthy as a horse during his vacation (laughs) i have the teeth like a horse right i didn't think covid would i didn't think covid would get through my teeth I couldn't. Exactly. You thought you were protected with that giant mustache would yep. filter out all your COVID. Yeah, it's like both. a cow catcher. <laughs> I said, why do you have to go to this thing? Bottle Rock is a multi-day music, food, and wine festival, both, and it's in Napa Valley, California. That's why right. Metallica, the Black Crows, and Pitbull also performed this year, along with 60 other acts. How could I, I miss it? <laughs> I they said, want me one- to be there. Yeah. They they loved and then Gary evidently presented something at Bottle <gasps> Rock like yes. he appeared with a chef or something.
3: Well, uh he sent me a picture of him and a yeah. bunch of people standing there, you know, with their arms around each other, smiling. I was like, Gary gave them mm. all COVID.
2: <laughs> right, but but oh, you should have seen during the pandemic. <gasps> I can't go into work, Boff. I do not want to get COVID at my age. Such no bullshit.
9: Siree. No cere, Boff. I just had uh, my knee replaced. I don't need COVID. Right. I gotta be I mean, careful. He's
3: been racking up the concert <coughs> since, right. I don't know, the beginning of this year. I mean, I don't know how many <coughs> he's been to and every one of them, he's been maskless.
2: And you know what's great, both because of COVID, the concerts are pretty empty. So it's like <laughs> I got my own personal show. <laughs>
9: <laughs> Hi, there, Flippin. It's me. It's Gary. How you doing I up mean, there? Uh,
2: I'm a fan of Def Leppard, don't get me wrong, but am I gonna, like if I know I have work coming up, I think I might pass on the Def Leppard, I the don't concert. know, I have a dip- you, you yeah.
3: have to, you you gotta take into consideration how many people
2: you're going to encounter. Listen Robin, you better be quiet, I'm going to Korea to hang out with that Gangnam Style guy next week, he's doing a live show. Well, what's Before- that K-pop band that was at the yeah. White House, I'm gonna see them too. Four-hour version of Gangnam Style boss. I can't miss it. Uh, Howard, um, Baba Boo... These are from the fans. Baba Boo is running around everywhere and has been photographed without a mask at all kinds of games and concerts. Yeah. It is safe enough to see Steely Dan. It should be safe enough to go to work. These were all people who agreed with uh, Michael Rappaport. Gary's being lazy. He seems to have been everywhere but the office. At least not with any sort of regularity. This is typical Baba Buhai. He can play, but he can't work. <laughs> um, Gary, I thought Gary loved his office. Remember that book he put out? The uh, the what is it? Uh, Bob, called, they call me Baba They Boo-y. call they, me Baba Yeah, four pages of the book are devoted to him describing <laughs> his office setup. I mean, oh my, who bought this book? I'll I'll play it for you. Here's here's Gary. This is another moment from Gary's book, They Call Me Baba Booey, where he gives the fans an inside look at his office. And I have never heard anything like this in my life. It is just mind-numbing. I tried to listen to this last night. I got through three seconds.
12: I've got so many great pictures in my office. There's a frame, 10 by 12 shot Howard gave me as a birthday present showing all of us from the show dressed up in drag at a photo shoot for his second book, Miss America. There's my younger son, Lucas, doing the tricky Dick Nixon pose on his campaign poster when he ran for fifth-grade class president. I've got a framed, limited-edition etching of Jay Leno sent to me by Helen Kushnick, his old agent, who was played by Kathy Bates in the movie Late Shift. She mailed it to me once September. Aye, aye, aye,
9: aye. <clears throat> Now, here's a picture of me opening the 10 by 12 picture that Howard gave me as a birthday present. <coughs> There's a picture of Lucas dressed as Mussolini when he won a spelling bee in the fifth grade. <coughs> uh, 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 chapter, <coughs> chapter 17. I will now list
2: the things in my wallet that I carry with me every day.
3: Why are these pictures great? I've got a bunch of great pictures in my
2: wallet. I don't know. They're great. As you all know. By the way, um, Sirius XM is running all weekend long the Gary audiobook on the Sleep Channel. They say you'll fall <laughs> right out. As
12: an early Christmas present because she knew she was about to get fired. Hanging above yeah. it is a letter from her dated two days before she got canned. Across from that is a frame cover of the free local Connecticut magazine, County Living, of me, Marion Jackson, when he was just a toddler. Oh. It was taken just before Private Parts came out and we were doing any kind of promotion that came along. We. On my filing cabinet is a picture from a Saturday Night Live newscast with Tina Fey. She's pointing to a picture of me as a punchline for a joke about the new president of Iraq. The guys who ran were Muhammad al Muhammad Abib.
2: By the way, the reason Gary's not here, he's uh, buying tickets for Coachella. He's out right now. He, he's first on <laughs> line. That's online. right, he's in
3: line <laughs> yeah. with no mask.
2: By the way, I'm not exaggerating. It's so boring, I don't know. But but like this goes on and on and on, him describing all of the things, the pictures hanging, I mean, this, this is where you know. Pictures.
3: I'm trying to think if I've heard anything
12: great yet. Next to that is a picture of the marquee outside Burger King in southern New Jersey. To get there, you had to exit the New Jersey turnpike at <laughs> exit seven, drive 30 minutes, and then scan the horizon. It was easy to spot. There was nothing around for days. The marquee read appearing two to four, Gary DeLabate, four to six, Pom Pom the clown. But my favorite I is mean. a candid shot of Fred, Artie, Howard, Robin, and me on the set while doing the show in Las Vegas. It's rare that we have photographers shooting the show, and even rarer for us to be in a picture that isn't posed. It's just us working. Oh, my God.
9: And it's rare for me to be in a picture and not be sleeping.
2: (laughs) (laughs) By the way, uh, let me read to you the contents of my trash can in my office. Plantain wrapper. Yes, there's a giant plantain wrapper, and also... A memo from Tom Tisano telling me what to do that I threw right in the garbage. <laughs> An expired package of rock shrimp. <clears throat> what he says, my favorite picture is Tina Fey holding up my picture saying, The guys around me I were Muhammad Ali, Ali Abai,
9: Tina Fey? <laughs> Muhammad Abu Babi, and Baba Bui. And one day she came on our show. When she was on our show, and she signed it, and she said, "Gary, congratulations on becoming the president of Iraq." Signed, Tina Fey. Wow. <clears throat> hey,
2: Vay. Anyway, uh, hey, it keeps going. Uh, the 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 There's fans more? have make, Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, you want more? I'll give you more. All right, here. <laughs> you, see, if you like me, it
3: I'm ready for another dose.
12: <laughs> Doing what we love, what we're pretty good at, with people we like hanging out with. I hung it right above my computer in the line of sight.
2: Su- uh, you know what? I, I can't take it. I don't know who bought this thing. I don't know who encouraged this thing. I don't know what's going on. It drives me crazy whenever I listen to this audio bug. Uh, the man, the fans, by the way, though, in Gary's defense, have mixed feelings about Michael Rapaport after he berated Gary for catching uh, he COVID. He a
3: little far, I
2: guess. Uh, i i feel like i'm in the minority but i love michael rapaport oh this one loves michael rapaport okay yeah. good okay i feel like i'm in the minority but i love michael rapaport every time he's on there there's always an argument who doesn't love a good stern show argument but here's the hate i hate rapaport he's a clown who is completely devoid of talent don't take his shit gary uh howard i would rather listen to jeff the drunk read the phone book than hear rapaport's on our phone now is a tree that died. Uh, he was sacrificed when they made Gary's book. Yes, sir. How are you?
6: You know, I'm I'm good, thank you. You know, this fucking guy Gary for this book, but I had to sacrifice uh, me and my family. We just we had a beautiful patch of land together in the Pacific Northwest, Northwestern. I'm just, you know, it's everything's gone. He wiped. Are you
2: saying, are you saying, for Gary's book, there was a tree holocaust that you and your wife and your kids all were chopped down and made into Gary's book?
6: Not only my wife and my kids, my mother, my father. I had a bunch of brothers and sisters. They're all gone, so this guy can print this fucking book. Right? Did you know
3: it was for Gary's book that you were being chopped down?
6: I had no idea until I hear it now. I hear all this nonsense that 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 it was all for It just wasn't I, worth it. Wow, wow. Well, I'm I'd so sorry for you.
2: And, I'm sorry for you and your family uh, for for being chopped down and, uh, of course, made into Gary's book. I'm very, very <laughs> sorry for your
6: for your loss. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All Fuck right. Random House. Thank you. Right.
2: Oh. <laughs> My prayers are with you. <laughs>
3: Thank you you know gary should put out a new book because you know this is another version of a list you know
2: he's listing yeah. all the
3: pictures that he has hanging on his wall and uh, i got the name for the book it's the book of listless
2: mike uh you took a couple of hits but some people enjoy you so you know listen you're a controversial figure not everyone's going to uh go along with you
13: well it's okay i i know uh that uh what i'm doing and what i'm saying what i'm expressing is real it's true it's not fair poor michael che do you need me to come into the office i'm available when is michael <laughs> che coming on i could take a cab
2: over <laughs> well fortunately you don't have to come in uh I, and thank you for volunteering to take care of michael che we we got someone else to do gary's job today we we got a uh, and a young up and comer who's going to take care so of it So today Trey. we're
3: paying Gary and someone yes. else to do Gary's job.
2: <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> but,
13: but, but where is Gary today? Is he, is he drinking scotch? Is he is he putting together I don't know.
2: puzzles like He's MIA. I haven't seen him. We're talking about him, but he uh, yeah, he, he won't, won't pop even on. show his face. No. no. can I'm ask here. you
13: can ask you a personal question. I, I don't mean to get into
2: the details, but does he get paid for today? He's getting paid. Gary, you're getting paid today, right?
12: Yeah, I'm still working. I'm just not doing that aspect of the job. But yes, I am still working. I am still
2: right. here. Well, in all in fairness to you, you had concerts to go to and you enjoyed your vacation, and uh, now you're sick while uh, work is uh, happening, and you can't go into the I office. Mean, so. w- yeah.
13: When we say working, we're like we're, we're using air quotes because I mean honestly, there's been, it's been years. <laughs> this guy has not worked, and 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 now we have a an A-list person who I'm sure you're very excited to talk about. Who knows what could go wrong with the Michael Che interview?
2: Right. You know, like, I mean,
13: it's just...
2: Well, I I, do worry about it. And by the way, Michael, let me correct you about something, because you're obviously not up on your Gary. You said Gary's drinking scotch. It's summertime. Everyone knows Gary switches to tequila in the summer. That's right. And does not have scotch. Yeah, so please... I'm sorry.
6: My apologies. I apologize. I apologize.
2: So anyway... So, so apologize to Gary, if you don't mind.
13: Well, I apologize to to you. I apologize to Gary. Hey, did you see, um, I was thinking about him a lot yesterday because there was a video. Did you see that viral video of that gorilla in the cage that attacked uh, the person at the zoo? No, I didn't see that. Oh, you should see it. You should see it because that could be you at any fucking moment, Howard. You come into the office. <laughs> there's a there's a viral video of a, of a person uh, who gets grabbed by a, a gorilla and he he's he, like he tried to <laughs> drag him into it. Hey, Howard, can I ask? Yes. Can
12: I ask? Can I ask Michael a quick question? Sure, go ahead. Uh, Michael, did go you ahead. miss a week of shows uh, filling in for Wendy Williams because you got COVID?
13: Uh oh. Um, no, not a week, a couple of days. But that was that was deep when, like, it was like a real thing, and I didn't travel. It's still, a real, what are you talking about? What are you talking excuse about? Excuse me, you went me. out. I, I, you went out when you were supposed out. to work. I you got COVID. I did not travel across the country. I did not what? travel across the country to a food festival. I did. You, travel you still across do, hey Mike, Mike?
12: You still doing your comedy gigs, your stand-up gigs? I see the I promotion. wasn't doing.
13: Excuse,
12: excuse I see promoting me, promoting that you I you're did doing.
13: not travel across. Well, Hold on, I'm have asking, have you done a country. comedy
12: gig in the last six months? Have you done a stand-up gig in the last six months?
13: Yes. Oh,
12: oh, okay, fine. Michael's out there.
3: What? Uh, uh, that Missing sounds like with Gary. He was yeah, working. He just contracted that's was contracted.
12: He's got another Thank job you, for Wendy Williams, and Thank he fucked that up by going out and doing a comedy club. I
3: think Thank the Wendy you, Williams I- might have been in, included in... You know, after... after yeah. Robin, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to Michael.
12: Gigs. I'm talking to Michael. I
3: was, well, Garrett... Well, now she well did, I'm trying to teach you
12: how dancing. work goes. Yeah. <laughs> hold on. Michael, hold on, hold on. Hold on. Yeah, hold yeah, on. Yeah, Here's a real question, Michael. Have you attended any comedy shows, concerts, or parties in the last six months?
13: No. First of all... I, do, you, how many, you swear how many on the life of your my, kids. Swear on the life of my kids. I don't do those things. I'm 52. How many more parties and food festivals i don't go to food festivals
11: let the children do that that's
13: a good i don't believe him i think <laughs> I he's been me. out to I, friends homes i think he's been I out,
12: out to, to, to you know, go to tell you,
2: i'll tell you i um, would be proud i would be proud of gary if he got covid working hard in the office uh the that's bottle rock well let's hear from mike in maine who yeah. wants to weigh in on this feud uh between gary and michael and mike go ahead from maine
10: hey now howard
2: hey now right.
10: So so uh, so, Gary. I mean, you know, you're obviously you're an adult. You can do what you want, but you do need to be safe. Um, now, all that aside, has anybody seen Michael hosting the Wendy Williams show and heard clips of it and seen him do the intro to the show? No,
13: I haven't. It's it's, it's first of all, Mike from Maine.
10: No, Mike, you, if, if you.
13: you've seen I it, you, you. rave reviews. People love it. People love me. That's why they keep having me back. Imagine yeah, you're very good at. It. In- Excuse me. Excuse me, Mike, for me. Imagine all the people in the world that you could have. Well, let's hear what Mike those. for
2: Maine. What is your point about Mike doing uh, the Wendy Williams show?
10: Well, and he is very good at hosting the Wendy Williams show. I just think the Wendy Williams show personally sucks. I think they should do a Michael Rappaport show where he can choose to do whatever Boom. he wants to do. Howard, at the very Boom. beginning of the show, he comes out and they kind of, they showcase. I, guess, I think, they, I think they, they must be something left over from Wendy because they scan the outfit and they show michael's shoes that he stands on these special these footprints and they show this his shoes for the day and then he does this thing where he comes out and he he takes both hands and he like uh, does like a double little like half wave and goes how you doing Show how do you michael you're good at it you do it right now so oh, oh it's great doing? it's great i mean it's i'm doing, doing first show so you know. there's oh it's <laughs> fantastic all
2: right all right by well, the way, I how much longer, how much Mike, how much longer can they call it the Wendy Williams show? Uh, hasn't she been gone for a really long time? Yeah, exactly. She get
13: the show. No, she's he's talking to me now. Um it, <laughs> it's coming to an end. Unfortunately, it's coming to an end. I've I had see. a great time doing it. It's been All fun. Right. Um I love doing it. It's live TV. They think they... They threw me out on live TV, every daytime live TV hour. Right, it's right.
2: Awesome. No, I, I will check it out. All right, listen, guys, uh, uh, Mike from Maine, thank you. Michael Rappaport, thank you. We'll watch you on Wendy Williams. And uh all right, enough with Gary and his job. But Gary uh, is unable to get into the city today. Because Gary getting into
3: an argument about <clears throat> catching COVID on vacation and not being able to work with a guy who's working and working and caught COVID in while he
2: was working. <laughs> You know, hey, who I'm, not the only,
12: I'm not the only guy who went to a Gary. concert and caught COVID.
2: <laughs> you know who uh, else uh, watches uh, Mike Rappaport on the Wendy Williams Gary. show? Is JD? He's oh. old, he he watches it. He's a I think
3: he's ooh. a Wendy fan.
11: Yeah,
2: I don't know, uh, but JD, had, are you a Rappaport <laughs> fan? Because Rappaport really busts your balls, and I know you hate yes.
11: it. Yes, uh, no, I do. Well, sometimes I do. I know, I know when I'm getting like jokey uh, Rappaport and I can handle it better. Uh, now, but I mean, listen, it's okay. It's, he interviews like all the, all he seems to interview is housewives and you know, I only, I only care about so many housewives. I don't really, I'm not a deep dive. I don't deep dive into the housewife world. So well, that's maybe all he's seems the interview.
2: Do you mean the real housewives? Real housewives. Yeah. 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 Who does well, he have I mean, on? He doesn't
3: book the show. He comes on and hosts. No. And whatever they put together, they put together.
11: Like he had on, um, uh, uh, the Eva from Real Housewives of Atlanta yesterday. um I have to go through the list to see what uh who else. But it's, yeah, it's usually just it's not like Beverly Hills or New York. And New York's not. If really I uh,
2: if I had to sit there and interview those women, I would I would I would quit show business. I, I oh, mean, I, it, no, but I, then, I, now
3: that requires some real acting, Howard. You got to act yeah. like
2: you're. <laughs> I mean, Tomorrow, uh, I, listen. I watch Beverly Hills Housewives, but I don't want to be in the room talking to them. I mean, um
3: tomorrow
11: he's going to do a little... Mama June from Honey Boo Boo. <laughs> would you? Look, give...
3: I mean, the show must have taken a real hit because Wendy's <laughs>
2: <gone>. <laughs> Would JD JD? Would you give Michael his own talk show? Do you think he's good enough? Oh yeah, did... yeah, yeah, yeah,
11: yeah. He's good. He's 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 in the he he knows how to entertain. Um, and he you know the, the whole like half at first half hour 45 minutes is like hot takes on things and he has no problem giving his opinion on things uh okay. no matter what you know if you agree with them or not
2: so good right. uh, in that sense yes he's good why don't you go on and let rappaport interview you you would be-, <laughs> <laughs> no, that's yeah, okay. be yeah,
3: help him out be a guest no that's all right
2: <laughs> no, i learned something about jd jd as a kid he would he would drop pencils in school to look up girls' dresses.
3: Oh God, help us! <laughs> right? I, I, I try not to think of how many perverts I work with uh, all the that? time. I have to fight yeah. these impulses to find out more about these people. I, mean, I haven't done it in a Please while. Don't tell me
2: these things. You know. I Hope you haven't done it in a while. When's <laughs> the last time then. you did it? What grade were you?
3: In?
11: Oh, God, I don't
0: remember. Senior fighting. high school. Right. <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah, it was college. Tower. <laughs> <hour>. He <laughs> hasn't
11: done it since. I didn't good. go to college.
0: <laughs> no, right. natalie man's right. house
2: all right <laughs> no, thank, no, you. thank you thank right, right. you all right thank you all right enough of that um a lot of people love uh richard and sal's new prank call to the uh anti-vax radio show which we ran yesterday that was a good one um the new prank call props to richard and sal for being hilarious as usual while pointing out what a boob that COVID denier was uh richard and sal are the mvps at the prank call game how they pull these calls off is beyond me i love these wacky radio shows that they find to call yeah here's a moment I think because
3: uh, of sal and richard everybody else has gotten out of the game they say no those guys are the best yeah you can't do it anymore
2: here's the moment richard and sal first discovered the host of the show was anti-vax this is kind of interesting this is a he's hosting a swap shop and then things get controversial and then he tips them off. You say, yeah, I'll handle that on the morning show.
0: Hello, you're on Swap Shop. let go get a booster shot. A full shot of that Moderna here at 1 o'clock. Oh, well, it's nice knowing you're... <laughs> Alright, do you, do you have them? <laughs> oh, no. I, I, I have my opinion about all that stuff. We'll save that for the morning show. You ain't had one, have you? No, I have no intention to get one. Better go get them. They don't do nothing to you. Yeah, well, that's probably, you yeah. know, this is a booster. We've done that to others. We we'll oh, get well. the boom. Well, good luck with that. Oh, okay, thank you. All right. right. All right. Uh, we're going to join CBS Fake News in progress. I'll see you all tomorrow. Wow. Yeah.
2: It, what What's going on at Tradio? I thought that was a non controversial kind of thing, but uh, these guys all in. I mean, giving out all kind of shitty advice.
3: And then um, calling
2: the news he's leading into yeah. fake news. Let's get to the fake news, Robin. <laughs> Whew.
3: Who's running that station? Are they listening to him?
2: (laughs) Probably not. No one. King of all blacks. You're on the air in New Jersey. I haven't spoken to you in a while.
14: Yeah, man. How you doing? Everything good?
2: Yeah. Everything's good.
14: (laughs) You're a multimillionaire. How could it be bad? Hey, listen. Um, (laughs) uh, Michael... You know what I'm saying? If you got all the money... All right, all right. right. What do you want to you, say?
2: We heard oh, you. Go on with Yeah, you don't have to explain... Like, you, you're not doing he's a stand-up.
3: elaborate on that right. brilliant yeah. go, <laughs> go ahead,
2: King.
14: <laughs> all right. Um, Michael Rapaport. I've been watching Wendy Williams ever since she left. He is the worst guest host ever to sit on that stage. Oh, really? He's, he's always... He don't I watch it because Chevy Shepherd. I don't think she should get this show. Wendy Williams is so dominant, but when he comes on, as soon as I see Michael Robert, I'm like, Yo, what is he talking about? He's nervous. He wants to get everything out quick. He's jittery. He's the worst guest host.
2: Well, I haven't That's seen. Like, I haven't seen it, oh. uh, but. And uh, have I, I haven't. Right. But so I can't. Me.
14: You could can trust me. Trust well, me. Uh, he
2: must be good at it if they keep asking him to come back. I mean, uh, there's probably a lot of people who want that job, so I would assume Michael is—you know—somebody's a big fan but, of him.
14: But he doesn't do it to get the job. It seems like he was called in, and he's just doing the show. Like you know what but I mean? They it's wouldn't. Not, they
2: like, wouldn't. They wouldn't have him back if he wasn't any good.
3: Yeah, there's plenty they of people have... out there. King Michael isn't the only one available.
14: Yeah, because they played into you know he's an actor. They, they right. need to get
3: some. You're not. You're not making a, a valid point here. I'm sorry.
2: I am no. making a valid point. Well, the he's valid nervous. point is he doesn't like Michael on there. Yeah, he feels... but his
3: rationale
2: for but them he bringing him he on. He doesn't,
14: and... he doesn't have stage presence. He, he's nervous. He's talking right. and uh, you know, he's trying to make people laugh and, and he's doing everything because he's nervous. He gotta zero in on one thing, one you know, and stay that way.
2: Michael, yeah, the king is the criticizing thing. you. I will I will this tell you king. The king yeah. was uh, kicked out of WBLS radio station years ago for smelling Wendy Williams' seat. So I will uh, mention that.
13: <laughs> uh, right, you panty, you panty sniffing sick fuck you! You're the king of there, all blacks. There Don't call, there in. You go. Don't call there you go. in anymore, okay? You fucking you stereotype. You're an embarrassment. You're a fucking embarrassment. The king of stuff. See, there yeah, you yeah, go with you're the racial. Racial. Your name is King of All Blacks. You're an embarrassment to yourself. Go go empty some garbage, you fucking clown. You're a clown. No, let me. You're a clown. Let me
14: say something.
13: Why did they kick you out of WBLS? Why do you watch me on Wendy Williams every day, you fucking
14: clown? You're You're a clown. You're not on every day. You're not on every day. I'm on every day. You watch (laughs) it, you (laughs) You clown. Go sniff some panties, Hey, Mike. Hey, Mike.
13: Hey, Mike. You're a stereotype. How Uh, much jewelry are you wearing right now?
2: I'm gonna well, King, right why, why didn't you guys have a real discussion? King, go ahead and say yeah, what you want. You. To Go ahead. Yeah.
14: Hey, hey, Mike. Hey, Mike, you fell into the trap. You on every day, right? Hey, every Hello? day this week, yes. Yes. Daddy. Okay. Yeah, this week. Now he, now he toned it down. Well, on, that's a big deal.
2: Heavy. Wait a second. Yeah, Let okay. me step in. King, that's a big deal. He's on all week. I mean, uh, and he's doing research for the Mama June interview tomorrow. Come on. What are you talking of about? Of course. Yeah. I'm
13: talking you about you more today. than the garbage truck that you you see? you see? more than the garbage truck yeah see see you dumb motherfucker you're a fucking clown he's you're the king of nothing to you? that's I how you're sorry for your wife like that. you're an he's nervous.
14: he doesn't want me to talk because he's nervous talk all you. right so fucking, make your point what do you want
2: to say okay what do you want to say
14: spit it out dummy spit She's, it out she? he's nervous spit it out stupid
2: all right. Yeah, I can see there's not but going to be you a dialogue. King, out see, see, see. put out one thought. Put out one thought.
14: See, see. see. Mike, Just spit it out, dummy. Mike, spit you got out. everything. We're it's a show. This is a live show, dummy. Spit it out, you fucking fool. You fool. The audience is turning on you. Cause you won't let me talk yeah. they turning on you you don't even know that you see you don't have next everybody's
8: being read quiet crowd, motherfucker. everybody's read being quiet bitch
4: all right okay right. all
13: let right everybody's being quiet now you're nervous because i'm on the phone with you you fucking clown
14: you're a stereotype you're an embarrassment
2: what do you want to say the
14: racial stuff. let me talk listen if they got you on uh uh, uh every day if they got you on every day, you got everything if going for you. they got you on every day, yeah, go ahead. Count my pockets now, dummy. You're white. you you a white male. You've been in movies. Why they won't give you the show? Because of your looks, my nigga. Because of your looks. You're not attractive. You, you got the women's audience. You think they have your ugly ass up there? They got. You How could you say
2: there, that? Like How could you say that? They got him. Why would they have him on if he's... I yeah, but 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 they have him on all the time, so they obviously think he is he's attractive.
14: Like Howard, he's like a Pez. You know the remember them Pez thing that come out the mouth. The, the, Pez. the candy? No one. Is yeah. that. That's what they, he is. Stupid. That's what he is. Stupid. Nobody.
13: Nobody agrees with you. No one can follow what you say. You're a dumb. Let me ask you a question, sure. Mike. Let me ask you a question. You're dumb. Damn. Oh, Mike! Mike, let me ask you a question. Uh, 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 I, Mike, uh, uh, spit it out! Now you're all nervous. Spit it out, you fucking dummy! So
14: Mike, so nobody I even work. knows what you all look right, like. You right. fucking all fool! All right, Mike. Okay. Nobody, nobody. I'm a nobody, nobody. Nobody knows what the. What. Oh my God! All, all, right. All, right, watch, all, right.
13: All, all right, all right, guys. All
14: right,
13: All right, thank you, Mike. Thank you, King.
2: Thank you. All right, all right. It's enough. I mean, uh, that's it outrageous.
3: How can a guy say "stop with the racial stuff"? Who leads with "my name is King of All Blacks"?
2: I know this is crazy. <laughs> this is what I'm saying. <laughs> I don't that was a crazy. That at all? That was a crazy argument right there. <laughs> and he's telling him uh, he's ugly. I mean, what is that? Uh, at our door right now is William Shatner. He would like to do a Seals and Crofts song <laughs> oh. in honor of uh, Jim Seals dying. A lot of people. Uh, you know they don't think about seals and cross, but the guy died. And Bill Shatner would like to. Uh, of course, he was captain of the Star Trek. He was. Uh, uh, he what was the other TV show he was in? Robin, you know the T. name. T.J. Hooker. T.J. Hooker, that's right, that's right. Uh, 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 welcome, Mister Shatner. And and what song will you be doing for us?
0: Thank you very much. You know, I really would love to sing "Summer Breeze," and this is mostly to convince you, Robin. <laughs> These lyrics are amazing. Right. Go ahead. Please. I'll start with the chorus because it's much more familiar. Thank you.
8: Summer breeze
0: <laughs> makes me feel fine. Blowing right. through the jasmine in my mind do you can I ask a question do you
2: I, I love this but do you do you consider this singing or rapping
0: summer breeze makes me feel fine blowing through the jasmine in my mind, so I need to get that out there. I consider it singing, of course it's singing Howard. Yeah, it's performance I, I, it, it don't mess like, up my flow come on, okay, sorry, sorry all right. No, it's all right. I understand. By, you, by, you, by you've the, you've the way, show. Yeah,
2: but by the way, uh, a lot of people appreciated you coming on the show the other day and uh, talking about Robin and her uh, saying that she had alopecia. And of course. How you show, even though you have a full, luscious head
0: of hair. That's right. I have you should... completely luscious locks, and, and I they... can't imagine what it feels like not to have real
2: hair. Well, people loved your empathy with Robin, even though you are blessed with lots of hair.
3: Yeah, you reached across that chasm of the haired and the hairless.
0: Yeah, well, you know, I, I should have hair awards... Uh, You know, not you, Howard. My head grows like a chia pet. I'm blessed I'm 91 (laughs) years old. Look at my beautiful
2: head. And it's youthful looking. There's not not a bit of gray. I mean, it's fabulous. All right. Listen, I got to go. Thank you for the uh, Seals and Crofts tribute. I loved it. Uh, uh, Do you want to sing anything
0: else or you're done? You're done with that song? Tonight, while the lights are shining and the microphone is on, I'll play for you. So many will be the blessings and so uh, short Well, the yeah. time. <laughs> I'll stay with you, but I'll play with you. I love you. Yes, I do. You can say that I'm your friend. You can see my life begin and end. Uh, oh, Robin. Are we I'll still doing Summer Breeze? Thing. What do we I doing? don't even yeah. know
3: what this song yeah. is. What is
0: that? Yeah. <laughs> I'll play for you. It's yeah. another one of their wonderful <laughs> hits. You oh, should really pay attention to their albums, Robert. There's a whole world of beautiful music and there. All right. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Thank you. My okay. pleasure.
2: <laughs> all right. There you go. By the way, I never finished the, I, let me finish this. This is because all the fans wrote in about Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. We were talking about the verdict. Uh, Johnny was awarded more than $10 million in damages, while Amber Heard was, uh she walked away with $2 million. I did the math. I thought
3: he was 15 and she was 2.
2: Well, they were reduced, compensatory damages, they can only go oh. so high, blah, 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 blah. I was reading the law, but uh I did the quick math. He got 10, she got 2. So uh what you're looking at is a difference of, now, what I do is go 9, 8. $8 million, okay? So the the fans wrote in, you're 100% right about the jury being the ultimate deciders. In this case, they are a group of complete strangers who know nothing. I'm with Howard. This case could have been thrown out right away if a judge was the jury instead of the jury being the jury. Uh, on a lighter note, the fans enjoyed our Johnny Depp impersonator. Uh, Howard, I think 2023 just arrived while the Johnny Depp impersonator tried to get out one sentence. Who spoke slower? Eric, the actor, Johnny Depp. Yes, he was very, very slow. I was cracking up at fake Johnny Depp's extremely long pauses. It was dead on. Thank you very much. Um, yeah. And Broadway's already prepared. Did you read this? Broadway is preparing a Johnny Depp Amber Heard musical.
3: Oh, God, help us. Are you serious? Yeah.
2: I'm dead serious. I mean, Robin.
3: <laughs> what, whatever, what Broadway show ever had lyrics about
2: a turd in a bed? Here's well, here's the song from the. Uh, here's one of the songs.
6: Actor Johnny Depp is suing his ex-wife Amber Heard in court on Wednesday. Depp detailed the infamous defecation incident.
0: I remember I caught Amber red-handed making a grumpy in our bed. Picture this: it was brown and oily. It was the teak of yucky? She said. She dropped a grumpy on my bedspread.
7: It wasn't me. She rubbed
0: her poopy on my pillow.
7: It wasn't me. She
0: left a dookie on my duvet.
7: It
8: wasn't me.
0: Oh fuck your burnt corpse and throw it in the back of a Honda Civic. <laughs> nice.
2: It's a wow. good. Uh, I'd go see that. Uh, way better than Diana the musical. Way better. I think already. so. Better
3: subject matter
2: for sure. I bet uh hey while we're talking about johnny depp on monday we played a tape of a woman outside the johnny depp amber heard trial and they were all in love with johnny willing to do anything for him sexually Uh, it was it was quite depressing because um we recently asked women on the street if they would rather date me or johnny depp and it didn't go well for me and i was you know i mean come on he wasn't exactly
3: are 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 all women crazy because we saw that bunch at the johnny depp trial and then on the streets of new york we couldn't find one sane person
2: ladies first of all you should want me johnny depp doesn't even look like johnny depp anymore all right admitted admittedly i look like me i i no, get you it look but better you n- look great
3: you have gotten uh, greater better. as time has gone on you age no.
2: now yeah, take that from robin and she knows <laughs> so uh Uh, You know, I I just thought maybe one of you would have liked me, but uh, this is how it went. Who would
15: you rather date, Howard Stern or Johnny Depp? Johnny Depp. I guess now with the trial going
7: on, I've seen that he's more of a gentle soul than I expected.
15: Johnny texted the following about Amber Heard. Let's drown her before we burn her. I will fuck her burnt corpse afterwards to make sure she's dead. So would you still rather date Johnny Depp?
7: I mean, uh, you're asking me to take words over actions. So yeah, still Johnny.
15: Johnny Depp. What? Well, he's more sexually appealing to me than Howard Stern doesn't do anything to me. But Johnny texted the following about Amber Heard. I have not one ounce of emotion for this gold digging low level dime dozen mushy, pointless, dangling, overused flappy fish market.
7: He was mad. You know, that happens sometimes. Still Johnny Depp. (laughs)
15: Johnny Depp. Why?
7: Good question. Um, Don't like Howard Stern.
15: He's obnoxious. Uh, But how about Johnny texted the following about Amber Heard. I hoped her corpse was decomposing in the fucking trunk of a honda civic still johnny depp it's all words
2: jesus oh my man. god
7: They're this is the story of my life
3: he does
2: yeah well that's it when you got the looks that's what the ladies want this has been my problem i don't have the looks
3: but have they seen I mean, johnny depp lately are they looking at old pictures of depp?
2: <laughs> i mean this has always been the story what are they on the show out there on the street <laughs> Women seem willing to date anyone or anything instead of me. Uh, Listen to this clip from a few years ago. Who would you rather date, Howard Stern or a poisonous spider?
7: The spider. I would rather have the spider. The spider will not do any damage mentally, spiritually. The poisonous spider.
11: Howard Stern or a python?
7: Not Howard, the python. Why? Hello, he needs to become more of a human being instead of his nastiness and all that. The python is wow. better than Howard Stern, like really anything next to Howard Stern for the most part
15: rats or howard stern
7: rats rats
15: that's a rats. tough one we'll
13: they're,
3: make lying. It rat,
15: howard.
2: <laughs> they're lying <laughs> howard stern or or getting thrown on the subway tracks <laughs> getting thrown on the subway tracks anything push
3: me now
2: <laughs> howard stern or pancreatic cancer a, a death sentence pancreatic cancer this is outrageous i i i i And if I didn't feel shitty enough about myself, we went out on the street and conducted a new survey, which I wish they had.
15: Who would you rather have sex with, Howard Stern or a dolphin? Dolphins are very smart.
7: I mean, I'm a sapiosexual, too, so intelligence turns me on completely. Yeah, I would definitely take the dolphin over Howard. What would you rather have? sex with howard stern never or
11: get long-term covid
7: never either one never
11: you have to pick
15: one
7: get long-term covid because i can't (laughs) stand howard stern
15: if you had a choice would you sleep with howard stern or vladimir putin
16: oh my god (laughs) Uh, i guess i'd have to say putin maybe
15: who would you rather have sex with howard stern
11: or your partner who ends up pooping in your bed my partner who ends up pooping in my bed
7: <laughs> because you can clean sheets, but Howard Stern lasts forever. Who would you rather oh. have sex
15: with, Howard Stern or OJ Simpson? Oh, for sure, OJ. OJ's innocent and fine as hell. What would you rather have sex with, Howard
11: Stern or a dead body?
7: Oh, whose dead body? <laughs>
15: oh like a (laughs) dead body dead body of your choice oh or something yeah i'm gonna have to go with dead body of my choice (laughs) and who would that dead body be um what dead body anybody but howard stern's who would you rather have sex with howard stern or sex with a tree you know what gonna go for howard stern sex with a tree
3: sounds
7: a little too painful then again howard's face is a little bit painful too so i might have to take
2: my answer
3: back i think Mm. i'm
2: going for the tree Oh, oh shit i was almost, almost
3: in. it was so close uh,
2: i'm sure this is somehow weighted i do i do uh, I mean. yeah
3: these women are just being funny i think
2: howard stern or being burned alive burned alive Oh, come on women you can't trust i'm
3: going to tell you that howard because i've seen these women when you walk into a room
2: uh, you know you've seen it in action you've seen the and charisma that swoon, i they,
3: and they want to come yep. near you they don't they are competing for your attention i see what
2: you're up but, to and i tell you what more dudes are excited when i walk in the room too
3: i know they sometimes
2: (laughs) have to (laughs) do. we did find one woman who thought i was attractive if you want to hear that i I, i'm telling you these are all real
11: what would you rather do sleep with howard stern or have covid
7: sleep with howard stern
11: you like howard stern
7: oh yeah back in the day with his curly hair oh yes definitely sleep with howard stern
11: what's the sexiest thing about howard
7: his nose really he would be an excellent oral
15: partner like for a 69 the nose it gets right to the point how would you like howard to finish you off with his nose like take us through it
7: well i think i definitely would want him to you know lick on the clit but with his nose like dig in the hole a little bit or whatever and then maybe we can switch it around and we can have him sucking out the hole and then him putting his nose like you know in the ass you know we, got, we can do different shit a lot of different shit
11: so is his nose almost like a penis it's
7: the way I remember it if I'm remembering it correctly <laughs> unless I'm confusing no I'm not confusing no yes it's how it's saying.
15: if you owned let's say a sex toy company would you make a sex toy shaped like Howard's nose
7: oh, definitely because mm. of the Oh, yes, definitely. What would you call it? The howdy doody.
2: Well, <laughs> I think she thinks I'm an anteater or something. The way don't she's describing know, me. I don't
3: know. yeah, your your nose has special powers. I'm determined to
2: win this. Can you guys go out and ask women if they'd rather have sex with Howard Stern or beheaded by ISIS? I'm sure I could win <laughs> that. Or, or ask them Howard Stern or gushing blood from your asshole. Which would you choose? I think I'd win that. I think I'd win that. I don't uh, think so Howard, it's no. just
3: it's I again. I know they're lying. I know they're lying.
2: Uh, they're they're lying. If I got them in a room and I seduced them, they would uh, they, they would be. Would uh, be right.
3: Oh Thank my you. God, that Howard! I don't even care about Johnny Depp anymore.
2: Yeah, and you guys are asking the wrong question. Say, uh Howard Stern or Napalm? because that hurts <laughs> right robin they, they got to ask the right question
3: that's right that, that burns you it's terrible
2: yeah. yeah um what else a lot of people like when we were on vacation we put a special out howard stern show a to z and people liked it they loved a which was ayahuasca from when you were in peru robin I love how vulnerable Robin was in sharing a rare, at times humiliating, and very human story. Love you, Robin. Getting some love for that. Um, uh, Get those Peruvian farts out, Robin. What a national treasure. One of my favorite Robin stories ever. She's the best one. Robin is searching for spirituality and answers to life, quite frankly. There's nothing better. And her (laughs) latest, for those who haven't heard, she's rubbing seaweed on her face. And also... Sea moss, moss, whatever that is.
3: I don't know what it is.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Um people also love the letter V for Gary's pieces of vinyl. The V for Ooh, vinyl. Yes. Howard, Gary's so pompous when it comes to his hobbies, be it Scotch or vinyl. Howard goofing on him for his record collection still holds up. I gotta tell you, to this day, I call bullshit on people who collect vinyl. It drives me absolutely fucking crazy. What about I, um, those
3: musicians who say, Oh Howard?
2: I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Let me tell you something. And I mean this with with my heart and soul. I'm someone who used to buy pieces of vinyl. First, pieces of vinyl. Yeah, when did they
3: turn into pieces of vinyl? Because we were buying those records all those years,
2: and nobody called them pieces of vinyl. Listen, I love hobbies. I got hobbies, and and I have good hobbies. I don't collect huge pieces of plastic that I don't fucking need anymore. The music sounds just as good digitally. I hate to say it. You know, okay, Neil Young, who is a genius musically, can tell the difference between vinyl and digital. Uh, but don't I get think it. you
3: have his ears.
2: You do know, You can be- listen. I hear people my age, like Gary's age, talking about vinyl. Gary can barely hear. He's got two <laughs> knee replacements. This guy, he's, 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 his ears can tell the difference. He can't tell the difference.
3: <laughs> you know what he says? He likes that noise that the. It's not about the music. The noise that you know that crackling that the vinyl makes.
2: Well, you know, and it's also inconvenient to have to sit there and get out, you know, get record player and it takes up a lot of room. It's just.
3: Oh, no, he's one of those guys uh, who sits there with that piece of I don't even know what you call that thing. You rub you uh, uh, through uh, around the record before you put it on the turntable. Yeah, to, to, get to get clean off all them. the dust.
2: Gary even has a spindle necklace. He told me yeah. it's like, um, you know, that we used to use for the 45s, that spindle. So, you know, listen, I just call bullshit. I, I have great hobbies. You know, I was into chess. Yeah, that's a thinking man's game. That that improves the brain. I'm into painting. You should see what I paint. That's that's a good thing. That's a skill. It, that's something you can use. It's, it's, it's learning another language.
3: Well, Gary, Gary can said, put a, a record on a turntable.
2: <laughs> if Gary said to me, listen, I'm learning how to play an instrument. Then all right, you know, but the guy can't even play an instrument, and, and uh, he has but to hear. Have you ever a seen song on vinyl
3: a record on a turntable? No, it's it's different.
2: <laughs> oh really? I don't know. And I have, you know, I'm into journaling. People go, "What's that?" I write. What I do is I write stuff for the radio show. It's creative. It, it's it, there's a. Um, an end to the means or a means to the end i don't know what the difference is
3: which is which it is in this case
2: yeah i don't know but it, it leads to something but pieces of vinyl forget about it you know on a totally different topic you know who the uh the lowest scumbags on earth have to be these psychics i was thinking about this you know when i was watching with the school shooting and uh and like Matthew McConaughey yesterday came out. I was impressed with him making a speech about the kids who died in Uvalde. Is that how you say it? Uvalde?
3: Yes. Uvalde. Uvalde.
2: Texas. And you know, he, the, the guy's like, uh, from Texas and he wanted to say, come on, we can get some, something reasonable going. So young children don't have to die. But the lowest scum are these psychics because I'm thinking about, first of all, I don't know, understand why anyone goes to a psychic. You know, everyone's a hustler and, uh, what do you need to know your future anyway? I'll tell you your future. It's going to be just like it is today. Same stupid shit. Not, nothing's going to happen. You can't wait for the future to unfold. Think about it. I well, have to What are you going to gonna do
3: if you don't like what they tell you?
2: You can't change it. They'll tell right? you that. Right. But here's the part that's driving me crazy. A whole bunch of people at, in these school shootings, their children have died. And in their moment of vulnerability, somewhere right now in Texas, there's somebody milking the family of a dead kid. Mm. With the, I can get in touch with them for you. And then I'm picturing this is a TV show I might want to produce. Uh, the life of a psychic, like what, like at what part of the day does your day go dark? In other words, let's say you got a husband. It's mostly um, uh, women I see as these psychics, although a lot of guys are getting into it now. I've seen uh,
3: a lot of guys, yeah.
2: In my show, it would be a woman psychic, and she lives in a middle-class neighborhood. Husband's got a job. She's making breakfast for the kids, and she sees on TV there's been a school shooting, 17 dead, many injured, and she goes, does she go, oh, boy. Okay.
3: Bring me my bag. It's time for me to go. It's like a Time for work.
2: (laughs) Puts her kids (laughs) on a school bus. Goodbye, kids. Gives them a kiss. Goodbye. And then I guess she goes to the office, which has a a giant fucking uh, eyeball over the (laughs) sign (laughs) get your future read i don't know i don't know what the office is like and then she gets there and like you know like maybe she woke up she did yoga she kissed the kids she kissed the husband goodbye she took a shower she goes over her schedule and then she sees oh meeting at three o'clock today one of the parents from uvalde and what else is on my schedule oh somebody's dead grandfather and um Oh, and someone who can't locate their dog. Okay, I got a kid from a school shooting. I got dead grandpa, and I got to locate a dog. Let me guess. I mean, uh, let me go polish my crystal ball before I. I mean, I mean, I mean, what kind of life is that where you pretend to know something and the vulnerable? You know, I wish I could fix the vulnerable.
3: Convinced?
2: No, they know. They
3: They know know. they're scam artists.
2: Of course, they know.
3: Not one of them thinks they're actually doing
2: anything nope they all know at the end of the day they, a lot of them don't like to think about it so they distract themselves which would be another part of my tv show like all of a sudden like you know uh all of a sudden a thought comes in their head you are a douchebag." Na, 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 na. i don't want to hear it
3: it's like jekyll and wow. hyde
2: there and then she and then she gets always to the upset office
3: about what hyde did while they were out
2: then she gets to the office and she realizes, oh, I've got an hour to kill until my first patient, my first client, who w- wants to know, you know, to speak to her kid who just died in a school shooting. So I'll light my incense and I got to make sure my credit card reader is working because you don't want to snafu. You know, yes, when somebody's it has, that, oh, to, everything
3: <laughs> yeah. that
2: has to do with payment. Yeah, it's sort of embarrassing. Um, uh, my kid just died in a school shooting and my grandfather died, too. and um, And your credit card reader doesn't work. And now you're like making them wait. So that's got to go smooth. I'm telling you, I got a TV show here. People would watch. <laughs> uh, nobody steal this. I was watching Michael Che's new show. He's got uh, some great sketches, and uh, I could maybe I'll pitch him. Maybe I'll put this on his. Yeah, show.
3: maybe he has some great ideas about how to put this whole thing together.
2: He's got some great ideas. Let me take a break. We got to talk to Michael Che. Uh, this guy. You should watch his new show. Like I was saying earlier this morning to Robin, he's got a couple of sketches. One of them is just fucking crazy. Uh, (laughs) One of them I know about. All right. I'll tell you when he gets here.
3: You didn't see that far in though, but there's this one where he gets, he gets to do the BET awards. Yeah. And he gets, you know, they're paying for his transportation and whatever. And he shows up to this plane and everybody on the plane is religious. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. (laughs) <laughs> and so this, the pilot is a minister and he's right. marching up and down making michael say these crazy things like uh the and he's like aren't you supposed to be flying the plane? god is flying the plane <laughs>
2: hey, like- well the funniest one to me so far because <laughs> i haven't seen the whole season is the uh, karate instructor who now kicks women in the stomach because abortion is illegal that's pretty fucking yeah. good yeah. yeah hey uh joanne is on the air go ahead joanne in new jersey
16: Oh, my gosh, Howard. I love you. Um, love I just you. wanted to say about the psychic mediums. Um, there's just no denying certain things when you do talk to a psychic and you've had somebody that passed. There's only things that you and that person know about. So what do you say about that?
2: I'll tell you what you know, I, I say. You're not going to want to hear it, Joanna, because you're gullible. And I, I don't mean that with any disrespect. But this is, you know, the psychic game is an interesting one. And any scam is a good one that if you can make money, but you got to live with yourself. That's the dilemma. What they do is, and if you've ever recorded a session with a psychic, I, I don't want to say anything, but my mother started in with something similar to this. I go, mom, you got to stop. It's an insult to my intelligence. I was a young man and I just said, you got to stop. And she goes, no, this is real. So she goes and I said, I'm going to ask you one favor. I want you to record the session with the psychic and then uh, you'll play it back and and I'll I'll show you how she gets the information out of you. You do too much talking. She goes, I don't talk when I'm talking to the psychic and she knows things you wouldn't believe. And I said, Jesus Christ. Well, my mother recorded it. She brings home the tape. She didn't shut up during the whole fucking session. And that she wised up. She never went again after I exposed the situation. She, Mm. she, she didn't realize she sits there. She goes, my mother's quiet to me. The woman goes, I see there's somebody troubled in your family. Then she starts in my mother crying. I'm so worried about him. And he doesn't have wisdom, I pray every day. That is right. The psychic goes, she, he doesn't have the wisdom. Oh, you had to hear this session. My mother fed this woman every fucking thing she needed to know.
3: She's just repeating what your and mother I, said. I Repeat it. And I my mother
2: it. walks out happy as a fucking clam. You would have <laughs> thought that you would have thought the psychic was rubbing that clit of hers the way she was carrying on.
16: No, and I understand there's things that people can say. And
2: by the way, you want to be a psychic, go find my mother's clit under all that hair. Good luck.
3: (laughs) But you should see that Bradley Cooper movie I was telling you about. Because it's a lot about how people put that stuff together and what they do and how they get the information.
2: There was a dude, uh, Houdini, for those of you who are older, remember Houdini. He he, uh, exposed all of them, spent his life exposing them, and then... When he died, he gave his wife a special word for the psychic. She said, okay, here's a word. All you do is go to the psychic say, you're in touch with my husband? Give me the word. And they never, not one of them could do it.
3: Somehow, when you're on the other side, you don't even know how to say your own name. You can only give initials or something.
2: You want to hear Sal
3: really
16: claiming? Quite
2: you, you want
3: to
16: hear it's Sal claiming?
2: Yeah, Joanna, go ahead.
16: Sorry to interrupt. Um, what about the fact that We only use like a certain percentage of our brain. Don't you think these people have the ability to tap into something that maybe we just don't even have?
2: Human beings, human beings, sadly, want to believe we only use less than 10% of our brain. Here's the thing. That's it. It, 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 Your brain, that's it. That's all you get. I know
3: there's some people using more brain than others.
2: Well, some are brighter. (laughs) Some have higher what they call IQ yeah but uh that's but it. they're
3: not even contacting the dead
2: the whole rap about how you only use temp that, that if we could tap into the ninety percent of our brain we could fly we could um we could we we could astral project we could do things. it doesn't exist.
16: Oh, I'm always the one saying that to happen,
2: now. I know. We want superpowers. But wait a minute, Howard. Don't yeah. say
3: anything can't exist. Remember, we know of people who have a traumatic brain injury.
2: Yes, yes.
3: And they wake up speaking another language.
2: That's right. Exactly. Good. Good luck. Yeah, that's what does happen. that come from? I'm gonna bonk Joanna over the head and let her have superpowers. I'm
16: sorry. (laughs) Thank Thank you, you Joanna. All right, go to your
2: psychic. How much does she charge? Let's have a good laugh. What does she charge you?
16: Uh, okay. So I do go like once a year. (laughs) Oh. To a psychic and a medium, um, it's like around one hundred and
2: fifty. that's good. One hundred and fifty to know the future. Yeah, right. You'll know the future. Get a massage.
16: The way I was explained, it's like looking at a maze. So they can tell you, you're going to be going in this direction. You could go in that direction. There you go. I'll do
2: it for you. I'll do it for free. What do you want to know?
16: I would call you once a week to get a reading. That would be great.
2: Here's what I'm going to tell you. You could go in the direction of using more than 10% of your brain or... You could go backwards and only use 1% of your brain, which it sounds like that's all you're using. So you got a good 9%. All right. Thank you. Michael Che will be your next. We're right after these words. Hey, Michael Che. He's got, uh, he's got a bunch of, this is one of the most prolific comedy writers out there, in my opinion. I don't know how he's doing it. Um, I mean, I'm Michael. Hi. Good What's up, see man?
3: Again. How are
1: hey. you? Thanks for having me. Yeah. He pleasure having you.
3: He doesn't have that energy you think that somebody who's so busy should have. Yeah. He's always appearing to be laid back and relaxed.
6: Oh, yeah. yeah.
1: Well, that's, I that's have part a, of it. I have a really good psychic, and we we talk about uh,
2: energy <laughs> what <you> transferring. <laughs> what do you think of my uh, my sketch idea? You know, I, when I watch your show, I sit there and I go, oh, I, I wish you the sketches that you come up with. And, and you know, this is a weird thing for me being head writer on Saturday Night Live you got to come up with material for them yeah then you got to decide what the fuck is going to go in your stand up act <laughs> yeah and what you don't give to them and yeah. i don't know how you make that distinction i mean you know saturday night live is paying you <laughs> to to come up with ideas and if you know what i mean how do you divide that
1: brain a lot of stuff like you know either from my show or from my stand up the stuff that Uh, Saturday Night Live could never do or would never do, you know, like nowadays. So it's, it makes it a little bit easier. It's just a lot of cleaner, much cleaner stuff. But, uh, yeah, it is, it is a lot of times where you're just completely tapped out. (laughs) I can't imagine because, like, I'm, you know, I I love reading about stuff that
2: you couldn't get on, Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh, Saturday Night Live. And one of the best bits that I heard about was this idea you came up with which was half a viagra (laughs) and i love this idea for this bit and what the bit i I don't mean to mutilate your bit but you pitched the saturday night live You let's do a bit half a viagra it's for guys who don't want to fuck you just want your dick to look bigger when you go to the doctor or you're pissing (laughs) on a stadium and to me they could have why why can't they put that on saturday night live
1: there's no way to I don't know, man. We there's so many bits like that that we we would just try at the table, and even if it works at the table, they're just like, we can't produce this, man. Come on, <laughs> and you, you feel immediately silly after you have tried it, you know. But but it's you know, it's whatever.
2: Yeah, but. But do you like sit there and get frustrated and say "fuck"? You know, it's hard enough to come up with ideas.
1: It's like and having it's, it's like having like like two girlfriends. It's like one is a prude and the other's a porn star, and you are like, right, I think of some things I am going to try at home, and some things I am going <laughs> to wait till we get to the club. I was watching.
2: Uh, I, I'm, I just started the second season of your new, sh- you know, of your show. Oh uh, man, damn- thank you. I am glad you watch it. Oh yeah, no, it's great. That the, it's called that damn Michael's chase show and it's really funny and I was cracking up at this idea that you had where, uh, you know, abortion is illegal. So you go to this karate instructor and he kicks these women in the stomach with their big bellies and he gets rid of the baby. I mean, Jesus, that's great. I mean, that's just fucking wonderful. He
1: really I, leaned into it too. And the crazy thing is I, I took that sketch on the road. Like we were, cause we, the network was kind of worried about it. So yeah. I was like, well, let me just make sure. Cause I know like for me, I think everything's, you know, silly or whatever, but, uh, I would do like clubs or whatever and I would just be like, I, I got a sketch. I just want to show you guys a couple things and i show them that and they would all fall out laughing and i was like all right well maybe this is something that who's the guy who plays the karate guy because he's funny <laughs> he's I mean, like just some central casting dude like he's just like some oh. <laughs> regular guy he's not a, he's not even like a sketch performer <laughs> we just like we've seen him audition on tape he's like that guy he thinks this is real it was he was great though he was so funny aren't the you know like
2: i know you'll put comedians in roles because the guys that you think are funny but comedians aren't as good in sketch comedy, as actors, right? I mean, like that guy, the karate instructor, is just fucking funny.
1: Yeah, it's it's uh, it's kind of like that that Leslie Nielsen thing, where the playing it straight is is a lot funnier than trying to find the joke. A lot of times, you know what I mean. So, right. the straighter you play it, and the more convicted you play it, that's something you learn on SNL too. Because sometimes you'll have comedians on, and they want to be the funniest part of everything, and then sometimes right. you'll have an actor that's just like, I just want to just tell me what the role is, and they can play it straight and it's it's 10 times funnier that's something
2: like chris rock told me we were we were somewhere and there was another comedian or two in the room and chris was being really funny (laughs) and two seconds later after chris finished saying what he was saying the other comedian started jumping in and had to outdo him and he leaned in and he whispered to me he goes couldn't let me have the moment couldn't let me have it you know what i mean it was like yeah it just couldn't happen could it
1: yeah and, uh, yeah and he's the yeah. greatest right he is he's
2: the greatest And you think people would lay back and say okay chris rock's in the room
1: i was thinking about uh one time i was uh i did i got to do uh his movie take uh was it uh, top 5 top 5 right. years ago and there was a scene with like me him and Rosario Dawson that got cut from the movie but it, we were like in a radio station and I'm talking to Rosario and like in like a downtime you know part of it and she's so nice like you know Rosario's is like the sweetest person and I never met her before and she's like are you sure we've never met because i feel like i, I you know I, we've met before and i was like i, I don't think so you yeah, know this is Rosario Dawson I'm like i don't know i don't think so and chris is on the other side and he's like you don't think so? You're not sure if you met Rosario <laughs> Dawson, but he says it so loud. and yeah. Everyone's cracking up I'm like, yeah, man, I don't know what to say. What I, I'm trying to be nice. But Yeah, he's the best.
2: That's part of it. He's so loud when he should be quiet. Yeah. I, was at, I was at a Paul McCartney concert, and I'm there because my daughter, my young daughter, wanted to go. And she says to me, Dad, can you get me Paul McCartney's autograph? Now I'm fucking dying. Because I can't believe I'm going to ask Paul McCartney for an autograph. I don't yeah. want to do this. Yeah. Chris Rock is in the room too. Oh. And Chris says to me, You're going to ask Paul McCartney <laughs> for an autograph? Oh, I got to see this. This is great. So he's goofing on me. And then two seconds later, I go up and Paul does this thing where he goes, Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, we must do that. We must. And then Paul backs out of the room. And right, goes, right. And then, and then Chris comes up and goes, Ah!
1: you know like oh man <laughs> uh,
2: and he just started goofing on me for asking paul mccartney for the autograph and it was just the funniest thing ever some I just, people
1: I- are just like so good at that too like just knowing how to get that i don't know some people just good like like i was at a one of the first after parties i was at as a like as a writer that's no actually it must have been like it must have been like a couple seasons in um Maybe two seasons in, and Paul McCartney was there, and everybody's kind of hovering out, like we got to see if we could like get an auto, talk to Paul McCartney. And nobody wants to go over there, right. and, and we're just like trying to figure out and devise a plan to go over there and talk to Paul McCartney. And five minutes later, I look over, and Leslie's just all over Paul McCartney, hugging him. <laughs> they're taking pictures, <laughs> yeah. they're having a blast. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, well, why right. the fuck did we do that? Like, right. <laughs> just walked up to him. <laughs> Some people just know how to do it. And They're like, he was so happy to take it too for her. Yeah, you know that sketch
2: you wrote on Saturday Night Live that for some reason it comes to mind when you say it. I, you know, and that's, that's a difficult thing too, I bet for you that like with musicians, they get to go out and perform the songs. A lot of the great sketches you wrote, you're not even in. No, yeah. And, and, and doesn't that bother you
1: sometimes? Like, you know, people don't know I wrote that. No, it doesn't bother me. I, I like it more. I like being behind the scenes. The only time I like being on cameras if I'm doing stand up, honestly. Like they, right. they, it's like pulling teeth to get me to actually act in something. Or right. no, like, even on my show, the only reason why I was acting is because I found out how much money I make if I'm in stuff than if I just wrote it. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> so I was like, yeah, right. maybe I'll, maybe I should put myself in some of this shit. But, uh, right. no, uh, literally like, you know, SNL, I, I like, I love the, the part of, That's solving the puzzle part, you know, I love kind of being behind and fixing it. Oh, this doesn't work. Maybe we should cut this. We need to beat this and stuff like that. I got like that.
2: You really love it. You love the writing process. The the, the sketch I was thinking of is the one you wrote with uh, the two guys auditioning to be uh, in the prince uh movie they're, they're casting for a prince movie and it's rami uh rami malik yeah. i don't know how to say his name but but it, it is so and and Keenan's the Kenan. other prince and, you know and,
1: it's, <laughs> what's crazy is uh i half got that idea from chris rock really how half? so well he um the week before or i don't know if it was the week before or maybe the week of like early in the week uh, he called. You know, sometimes like comedians would just call me with like half an idea, barely. And they're just like, "He does a really good prince. You should make him prince." And then they hang up. <laughs> and you're like, well, what was, what's that?" You know, like, like "What a, do I do?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like you're on chopped or something. Like, you know, your your ingredient is prince. Like, all right, cool.
2: So <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah, it's like one of those
1: improv sessions.
2: Uh, be a tree, and William Shatner comes to visit the tree. Go ahead and make something funny.
1: So we were just, I was just like trying to think of something that. And that's kind of what came up but yeah it was it was kind of like from rock like oh make them prints and something and i was like all right yeah that was great there's uh there's in your new show it's not new anymore it's your second season
2: but in the new season you do the the first episode is so fucking strong you got a sketch about um This whole scared straight, the prisoners who talk to little kids. This is such a great idea. Little kids getting yelled at by prisoners. And the prisoner comes in, he's a big tough guy, and he's screaming at the kids. And then the kids are like, hey, man, I murdered someone. (laughs) and then the the fucking con is like I, I gotta get out of the room these kids are gonna beat the shit out of me it's so great to see the the, the, the prisoner gets he goes i have to in here for weed i didn't do anything this bad <laughs> It's just so fun who's the guy Damn who man. plays the convict He's that's a, really
1: Grant barnes man he's one of the funniest stand-ups like he's a uh, go on tour with Chappelle a lot. So I always knew him from him being on Chappelle's show. And then when I started in the clubs, I would, you know, see him at the clubs and he was, he's was always like one of the hardest guys to follow in New York City. And, uh, yeah, he, he's one of the funniest guys I know.
2: You know, it was funny because I'm watching it and I see you put, uh, Dave Attell in yeah, the, yeah. On one of the sketches. And I know Dave and Dave's a very funny guy. Yeah. But comedians always love putting Dave Attell in their movies or in their projects. And he's a guy I think every comedian really respects and loves and says he's great. But he's not one of those guys that ever sort of broke through to the bigger audience, right? It's, it's a bit of a puzzle, isn't it?
1: I don't know. Because like as a comedy fan, I remember, you know, when Insomniac would come on on the, you know, Comedy Century, he had like that drinking show kind of thing. And I remember, I mean, it might just have been because I was a comedy nerd kind of guy, but like, I always thought Tell was the guy like I would go to the cellar and to get a glimpse of the guys I would see that did stand up on television. You know what I mean? Right. So Tell was always one of the guys for me. I, I guess when I started understanding the business, I started understanding that point a little bit better. But for a fan, it's like, you know, these guys are, are huge. What's the what's the life
2: of a like? Like, OK, I would say that you have made it when i say made it i mean you're realizing your dreams you've got your own television show you get to write sketches for yourself for saturday night live you get to do the news on saturday i mean it's a big career and you're doing stand-up personally i don't know how you live in your life i mean you got to be you got to be writing day and what is the process for you you wake up in the morning i'm I'm talking on a typical morning let's say
1: a day yeah Uh, on the weekend do you write comedy well, I think it's very kind of you to believe that I wake up in mornings, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> around 2 or 3 p.m., you know, no, uh, yeah, it's usually like, you you're texting it's i I always feel like most material comes from interactions just being frustrated if i you know i just talk to my friends and the faster i'm frustrated the faster i come up with some sort of a bit and then just that seedling of a bit i'll use whatever 15 minutes of material i have on stage to get to that one little point sometimes i'm on stage just to say one sentence out loud to see if it's remotely interesting once it's interesting then i could try to figure out how it becomes a bit or a sketch or whatever and some things you know I'm like, oh this could be better if it's written as a sketch and then you figure out what show it should go on you know what i mean but for the most right. part it's it comes from just interacting
2: so when you write a funny joke for weekend updates -hmm. Do you sit there and go, why the fuck am I, I gotta do this in my stand-up. This would be so much better. And then I could get so much more mileage out of it. I could probably get a, you know, I could go out and do the clubs with it and all this kind of,
1: I don't understand how that just works. Well, that's, that's really what it comes down to. It's it's usually like, um, man i i, I don't uh, weekend up that we try to go quickly because we don't have that much time so we can't ever say anything too important or or weighty cuz we only have about 12 seconds to say something about it you know what i mean so right it's like a lot of stuff i'd rather do stand up because i could take 10 minutes on it and you know you see other guys that do kind of this version of comedy news like i i saw Trevor recently and we were talking about i was telling him like you know a lot of Subjects I won't even really touch in the way you do because you lock in for eight minutes and say something so weighty and, and research and Oliver's doing 30 minutes on one subject. And then we got like 15 seconds to have a point and people were like, well, that was slight. I'm like, well, duh. It's, it's a, it's a slight <laughs> format, you right. know, and then we got to bring out somebody that's dressed like a penguin or something and talk to them. And for- <laughs> so you want to hear something smart with a guy that's talking to an imaginary, you know, whatever. So. For for update, I try we try to just kind of come up with something that's just like a hard joke and move on, and things like that, you know, make it easier to be like, okay, what goes where? Yeah, I was just
2: thinking as you said that I really do prefer just as a human being, and I no disrespect to Trevor who I've had on the show or John Oliver what he does, they're kind of brilliant, but I do prefer the weekend update kind of punchline, you know, set up punchline,
1: set up punchline. It's, it's so satisfying as a as a viewer. It's a harder gig, I think. I think that yep. that that's why it's more satisfying for me too. We probably have the same sensibility. Where to me, it's it's so much harder to get a hard laugh at something that everyone is kind of, you know. I see people in full tears talking about comedy subjects. I'm like, good lord, when when's Rickles coming out? You know, that kind of thing. But right. <laughs> but but it's like for for us, we're just trying to get that. We're trying to just get the laugh. It's like a it's a pendulum. It started one way and it ends up another, and it goes back. Getting back to this idea of your day, i really want to know how you work.
2: You know, uh, Jimmy Kimmel bought me a book. Uh-huh. It was about how great artists spend their time. Like in other uh-huh. words, what is their regimen? What is their routine? I'm imagining, all jokes aside, that you're a very routine person. That there's got to be a point in your day where you sit down to go to work. Uh-huh. In other words, you have your coffee. Yeah, I don't know what you do, I'd love to know I I really want the minutiae, you have your coffee you eat your breakfast and <laughs> you take your dump I don't and eat. then you go, you
1: don't eat breakfast? I, I very rarely eat, I eat I wait till like, I forget to eat all the time like my, you know, sometimes my assistant has to be like, did you eat today? and it would be fully 7.30 and I'm like, oh no, possible. I didn't, well because the, the day escapes me <laughs> like it's just literally I kind of, I probably do have a lot more habits than I think i do but to me i'm free to me it's a lot of floating i just but i for whatever reason have the same grooves in my floor where you you that's a speak. true nonconformist. you say to yourself oh, fuck it i'm not going to conform to breakfast
2: lunch and dinner no. i'm going to just have my day yeah but don't you get those hunger pangs don't you like wake up i wake up starving
1: well i eat late that's that's a problem because i'm a drinker so i end up if I end up at a club and it's two thirty in the morning, I go get something you know and then go to bed and then i don't I'm not hungry again for another twelve hours or something so when you say you're a drinker is that part
2: of like going to clubs and working in clubs it's almost impossible Always. not to get yeah
1: that's that's when it becomes very formulaic you go you walk into a club the first thing they do is hand it's a lot of waiting around you know how this the comedy club lifestyle is it's literally so much waiting around talking shit get on stage go get up, have another drink go to another club around the corner have a drink wait to get on stage get on stage have a drink after you know what i mean it's it's literally that it's like the waiting back and forth.
2: Does the waiting make you more nervous and uptight? I can only imagine if I was sitting at a table with a tell, who's a great comic. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I I don't know who your crowd was that Mm -hmm. hung out, you know, every night at you were wet at the comedy cellar a lot. Yeah. yeah. Who is your group of guys that uh, hung out there?
1: Oh, still, I mean, it'd be, you know, Reggie Conquest, uh, Kevin Iso, Dan Soder, Mark Norman, um... You, you, love, like these oh, you love, love these guys. You love Big Jay Oakerson, and, you know, all those guys, yeah. And when you're sitting there waiting to go on mm-hmm.
2: and a comic is up on stage and you guys are all sitting around and you're making fun of the comic up on stage who's bombing, mm-hmm. doesn't that give you anxiety?
1: <laughs> doesn't that make you no. no? No, no, no. It's a lot. It's, to me, it's like being a cop. It's like... Every situation's funny because you've been in that version of a, of that situation at, at least a dozen times when you're at that point in your career. So right. it's all, none of it's interesting anymore. You're right. not nervous until you're like five seconds before you're about to go on you're listening really? to the uh, you're listening to the crowd's reaction to you coming out you're watching to see what the whose camera's out Who, you know what i mean like what am i going to talk about how am i going to get into this because in the back of my head i want to say something that they're not expecting right right i know what i have and i don't think it's going to work that's why i want to do it and i got to figure that, out how to get this to work
2: that opening moment yeah. whatever it is you say What, what is your go-to? Like, what, what is a great opening line for an audience when you're like walking out your nerve? And the nerves are good because it shows you still care. Yeah. If you didn't have those nerves, it'd be like, you know what?
1: I shouldn't be doing stand-up. It's. yeah it's more it's more anxious it's more like i want to hurry up and do i always feel like nervous means you you're trying to avoid going on and anxious means you can't wait to go on so it's like i you know it's like uh like when a kid wants to show you his new toy kind of thing he brings you right you know what i mean brings you right to the fucking room like that's that's how i feel it's like i got this new toy i want to show you
2: is there an opening line that turns you on like is there one that you go this was the greatest opener i'd walk out and the audience is looking at me, and 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 I say this.
1: I, you know what I like? I mean, it's kind of it's kind of hacky, but uh, I always like saying temper expectations because <laughs> <I>, <laughs> they always react big. you know, it's like, calm down, it's not going right. to be good, and that right. always kind of flattens them. And then you hit them with something that's kind of tried and true, and then they're okay. And then you can start to play. It becomes like a negotiation. It's like one for me, one for you, one for me, one for you, and then you you, you figure it out.
2: You love it. You love it. And you've you've said, you know, you've said, I'm jealous of other comics who don't have other gigs because they can concentrate on their stand-up 100%. Yeah. Is the temptation for you, because you love stand-up. And I know these other gigs pay so well, and they bring you big audiences. I know it all works. Yeah, And it's, you know, you get, uh, I know you through Saturday Night Live, you know. So there's a real payoff there in terms of your career. But the fantasy, do you you really sit there and go, I can't stand that I don't spend 100% of my time on stand-up because I could be even better as a stand-up?
1: Yeah, it's like, it's, it's kind of crazy because it's like what you guys were talking about earlier. You're like the 100% of your brain kind of thing. You're always like, what could I actually do if I only had to do this? And you, you watch people's process of truly developing. Like for me, I, I don't get to do stand up every week. So, there's times where I won't do stand up because I'm so burnt out from the shows that the last thing I want to do is stand up. The last thing I want to do is comedy, period. You know, I just want to kind of right. chill. And then I come back, and I'm, it takes me so long to get back into shape to even feel like i can try comedy and then by the time i get in the shape i gotta go back to snl or i gotta go back to my show i gotta go back to a different project so it, it's hard to get on a roll and i'll go into the cellar and i'll see a or i'll see Chappelle, or i'll see wolf or i'll see you know shane gillis or like there's so many like people coming up that you're like oh my God, these guys, this is what they do. And they're just on fire. You know, like Big Jay, I watch Big Jay and I just, you want to throw away your book. You're just, because he he can come up with stuff that's funnier than what you're trying to write, you know? And you see the speed of it and how fast and how quick and how alert and how they get in and out of bits. And I don't even know that the audience notices the difference when they're watching me and them, but you see it as a performer. You see that half second. I got, it's glaring, and you feel I, it when you're on stage. I relate to this.
2: Uh, I started painting seven years ago, mm-hmm. and I, am, I don't have enough time to perfect it because I've got this gig. Mm-hmm but I sit and go I get jealous of all the older women who are retired that I see painting they started when I did and they're <laughs> yeah. passing me by because they're better painters than I am because they yeah. have every day to paint I can't paint today I'm you know we're working today right 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 uh, it can't be done and, and and I guess it's the same kind of feeling but at this point you know maybe that's why Chappelle I always questioned why Chappelle left his sketch show like maybe that was the bottom line he loved stand up so much that maybe
1: he just said fuck this I've been- I'm I bet it was, uh, it had a lot to do with it because when he left, he, he didn't, like, people think he'd, like, disappeared from, he disappeared maybe from the public eye, but he was doing so much stand-up. He has hours and hours and hours of stand-up that he was doing in that kind of, like, 5 10-year gap where he just became the, by far the best comedian. You know what I mean? Like, where yeah. he got that good. So, yeah, it, it probably was missing that kind of routine of, of, just being in shape and just being sharp and being on stage for four and five hours and being almost bulletproof up there. Is
2: that why, I mean, I had read you were leaving Saturday Night Live. Yeah. Uh, and I and i had been going around telling people, like, oh, yeah, Michael Chase, one of the whole bunch of people leaving, Michael Chase leaving. And I went, oh, wow, that's that's really weird. I'll miss him on uh, SNL. And I know how many great sketches you write, but I kind of understood. And then all of a sudden you walked it back and you said, no, no,
1: no, I'm staying but there really was a consideration that you might leave, right? I 100% was leaving. I like, yeah. I 100% did. I like, told them I was leaving, and the whole time Lauren's was like, "Yeah, okay," but like I, I 100% <laughs> told them I was leaving. Yeah. Like at the beginning of the day, I was like, "I'm." done i can't do it i'm I'm finished i'm finished i'm finished and no one kind of believed it and then i said it you know i I said it so long ago and i told everybody so long ago that i started kind of just saying it like this is my last season and i said it on stage and they picked it up and i was still leaving when when i said when i walked it back but i i walked it back because i didn't want it to distract from the season i didn't want i hate when the show feels like it's about my, you know what I mean, BS. Yeah. So I, I was just like, I don't want to have to answer that question. I don't want my, you know, you know, fellow cast members to have to answer that question in interviews and stuff like that. So like, it just it doesn't just affect me. So I was like, well, if I'm gonna leave, I can announce it when it, when I'm actually gone. But you know, it came down to why I wanted to leave, which was to have time to do other things. And, uh, so, you know, I talked to Lauren and, and we figured out something where I'll, I'll, I will have more time. And, uh, and so, it, you know, it made it kind of worth staying. Yeah. You know, it's weird
2: too, when you're in the thick of it, and Saturday Night Live is a grind. You're grinding out a lot of comedy and writing for other people. Yeah. You gotta go, you know what, I've done this long enough and I've got enough going on that I don't need it anymore. And you, you probably really do believe you're leaving. You know, you really do. Oh, think.
1: truly. yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and also, I, I think even financially, you could probably make more money on the road doing comedy. <laughs> Honestly, it, Saturday Night Live is not infamously known for paying people well. No,
1: it's not. But, you know, no. that's like the funny thing is, uh, I don't I, I remember, I think maybe Dave was telling me, he was like, oh, man, where do you find out how much money you lost working on that show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's the truth, you know, but there yeah. is a certain
2: insecurity let's say no matter how successful you might be
1: but it's like i said like my fantasy is to work the seller (laughs) every day so like to me you're not you don't really think about the money you think more so about uh, just that that you know that weapon of being on live television appointment television like kind of the last place where you could where something exciting can happen even if it doesn't it's it's the the possibility is there you know it's nascar you know it's something something crazy can happen it's a it's a championship fight so i I think that's still intoxicating i think that's why people always come back but you know after a while you just feel like i don't even know if i have anything to offer anymore you know you get a little bit down on yourself and you just want to kind of do something different just to feel like you're a stronger artist
2: i'm curious as a as a comedian and i and i don't even want the politically correct answer i just want from a technical standpoint Mm -hmm. what did you think of this kid gerard carmichael coming out and doing an hour stand-up special Mm -hmm. um i saw this as a great innovation yeah it felt like crazy he walked in it wasn't something he could prepare. It's not like he can go out and do it a bunch of times and come out of the closet. It's a one-shot deal. He's got the cameras rolling. This, to me, and the way this kid is so relaxed on it's stage beautiful, too, isn't it? Magnificent. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it blew your mind, too, right? i didn't watch it <laughs> oh you didn't <laughs> shit how come why
1: didn't you watch it that's first of crazy all, first of all gerard's one of my like best friends in comedy okay and and so we we worked together before that like i remember when he was getting ready for the special we did like a i think we did a show or something at at the cellar uh, oddly and uh we've been talking about it and um and then he did SNL and he was like, you know, gearing up for the release of it, but I still hadn't seen What see were it. you
2: talking about? You were talking about the idea of him coming out of the closet on, on TV? Is that what
1: you were talking no, to him about? I, I don't know. I just, I knew he was like, he was, Gerard's an interesting guy because he, he's so, he's, he's like, he's so elusive and you never know how much he wants to give you. You know what I mean? In like a, in like a personal relationship as a friend. And right. so like, you know, I knew he was, uh, I knew he was a, a lot more open to, that part of his life in conversation and on stage because he wasn't coming out on stage. He was just speaking from the experience of a gay man on stage when, and we were all like, Oh, well, this is interesting. He's just saying it now. You know, like it was, I didn't know that the special would be him coming out. I, I didn't I know see. how he was going to do it, but watching the way he was doing material, I, I could kind of already tell what the special was and then I saw the promo for it and I was like oh this is this is going to be excellent but it's so hard for me to sit down and watch a stand up special it's like why virtually impossible why First of all, I can't sit still for it because I'm just editing it in my head. Oh, I see. Okay. I can't enjoy it. I'm at work. It's like literally, you're just back at work, kind of watching. You're like, oh, I would have. Oh, I wish. Oh, no, no, You know, like, oh man, I should. Oh, you know what? I would have went in this direction. I would do this actually. It's like it's it's hard to enjoy. I can't just sit down, relax, and just. Look, so yeah. you, you won't watch a
2: Chappelle, Chappelle who's the, I, I agree with you, greatest yeah. of all time. Yeah. You won't watch his special. In other words, it would be too difficult to uh, separate yourself.
1: I didn't see a, the, I didn't see the closer. I didn't see the latest one. Um, right. I saw, I saw the sticks and stones one because he had like a screening for it and I was at the screening for it. Right. And I also, like I said, like I, I see these guys on the road all the time. You work with them. So you know the bits, you know, like, so when people right. talk about like, Oh, did you see when he did this? I'm like, yeah, I see when he did it six months ago or I see when he did it two weeks ago or whatever. So you see them, you know they act with to like sit and watch the polished finished special. It's hard to it's hard for me wow. to enjoy yeah i mean um um it also say- finalizes it like you could, i can hear a joke 10 times and enjoy it 10 times but once i've seen it on the special i'd never want to hear it again so it kind of kills it it's almost like going to your friend's uh like a joke's burial you know what i mean right <laughs> no because you're absolutely so- right yeah.
2: yeah yeah it's crazy and and uh And I always think, geez, these guys are retiring these jokes. Once everyone's heard them, it's like, now they gotta come up with a whole new act. Right. uh, Oh my God, it's brutal.
1: But before Um, they've taped it, you could watch it a hundred times and enjoy it every time. Because the fun is watching the audience react to those jokes, right? I always get like people will be like, why do you laugh at your own jokes? Like, I'm not laughing at my joke. I'm laughing at the audience laugh or not laugh at my jokes. Like, that's what's funny to me. You know what I mean? It's, it's, we got a perspective too. Like you're looking at us, try to make you laugh, but I'm watching everybody look at me in horror. You know, that's always funny.
2: (laughs) That's interesting that you explain it to me because whenever I see a comedian laugh at their own jokes, I go, how could he still think it's funny? he he wrote the joke <laughs> yeah. and he knows the joke <laughs> right so why is he laughing but you're laughing at the audience laughing at you you exactly. think it's it's it, it, it knocks you out in that moment that somebody even thinks this is they get it
1: yeah fun is contagious it's like you know you yeah. see them kind of enjoy it and you know what's coming next and sometimes i'm like oh boy wait till i say this this is where i lose them Or i want to <laughs> see how they're gonna react because they're on a date you know what i mean that kind of thing like this right. is about actually this lady i'm certain of it. you know like it's it's like a fun thing to watch them discovered a bit
2: but certainly not fun when they don't
1: laugh and all of a sudden you're like oh fuck <laughs> there's no reaction sometimes that's even funnier than it's like Like, comedy is one of those things, like, even when it's bad, it's pretty funny. (laughs) It's just pretty funny to see somebody go up there and die. (laughs) Right. You know,
2: um, you've said that with stand-up, it's almost more your relaxed stage presence or the way you present yourself to an audience is way more important than the actual joke. And I understand this. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, there is some comedians who I'm, you know, I don't even know that their material is so great. Uh-huh. Their fucking attitude is great. Yeah. And it's the, the, I don't feel nervous when they're up on stage. And that takes a long time to perfect, right? The,
1: well- the, 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 the looseness. Well, I think, I think you would know that from, from radio and from, you know, Paga where it's a lot of times it's people want to spend their morning with, like they, they can't function until they hear you. You know what I mean? So it's, it's the same being on stage where you, it's more important to have people engaged, and then the material comes. Because you can That's develop, right. no matter what joke you write initially starting out, it's not gonna be good. You don't right. know how to write a joke yet. You don't know how to craft a joke yet. You don't even know what kind of jokes you tell. But I think the most important thing is being comfortable enough on stage to try things and right. being confident enough. People just want to see a professional. They don't care who's up there. They just want to know that they've paid money to see somebody that is in control. And if you look like you're not in control, you're mm. so right How in radio goes. i was so bad and had such bad experiences until i
2: got relaxed mm-hmm. and it took me 10 years to really relax on the radio i couldn't even get my voice
1: yeah I, for for me mm-hmm. for that was my problem with update i couldn't relax it felt like i was doing seth's jokes and i'm not the comedian Seth is. This is like a completely different type of humor. I was talking about stuff I didn't even know about. I was kind of just reading jokes or trying to read. I didn't even know how to say it because this was something I'd never say. And once I got comfortable and relaxed enough to do my jokes or do the kind of jokes that would make me laugh in a room, then I felt like it unlocked, you know, yeah, it unlocked the segment a little bit. Yeah, that's so interesting
2: about that. I, I actually, still speaking about Gerard Carmichael, I actually was very impressed with his opening monologue on Saturday Night Live. I thought, again, his relaxed attitude worked. And I even, I even said to myself, you know, this guy could come out once a week Uh and do the opening monologue. He was
1: that good at it. For sure. Yeah. He's, he's, that's always been the thing about like Gerard. Like he's like frustratingly relaxed and cool. And you, he, You don't you get the feeling he doesn't need you to like the joke, which makes you like the joke. You know what I mean? It's it's like Chappelle is the same kind of way. Like there's like a certain kind of style of comedian that they they just master that quickly. And he's someone I've I've known for. I didn't know, obviously, Chappelle for 30 years for when he started. But I've known Gerard for 10, 15 years and he's always been the same. Yeah. Yeah. It's really uh, just always had that. Yeah.
2: Yeah, it's remarkable how guys. Isn't it amazing too to see somebody's growth? Like you could see somebody early on in their career, and you go, "This fucking guy's never going to make it." And then suddenly, <laughs> like two years later, you go back and you see him, and you go, "Jesus, what happened?"
1: Yeah, because um, all that's that stage time. That's you know, it's that that Groundhog Day shit, man. Like you you just do it every day. You do it all the time. You you live breathing. Really, after a while, the, when once the worst has happened, then. You can only go up. You know you're willing to try. You're willing to take risk, and you realize that the worst isn't so bad. Do you take a pen
2: and paper? This is getting back to your ritual. Mm-hmm. Because I'm, I really am curious. <laughs> Do you take a pen and paper yeah. and sit down at some point in the day and say, "I'm going to write ten pages, no matter what. I don't care if it's not funny. I don't care anything." I mean, really, what is the process when you're juggling that many jobs and you gotta come up with so much comedy?
1: I talk, I talk to myself a lot. Like, when I, when I'm doing that kind of, um, writing, I'll have like one, it's like I said, it starts with one premise or one argument, almost like a, like a lawyer's argument or whatever. Just, just that. And then I like pretty much argue. I try to argue myself out of, you know, that thought and come up with, you know, come up with stuff to combat any argument for this, why this makes sense. And then some are silly and, and they get crazier and crazier. And then I start to like write stuff in my phone and just notes, bullet points. But I don't like to write out a joke until um I've performed it on stage so much. And I kind of know the beats because when I get on stage, I don't want to tell a joke. I want to argue the point because that way you could always find tags you could you got to listen to the audience you got to see where you've lost them you got to see where where they're buying into it where you know what i mean like when they start when you're starting to convince them then you start to you you start to listen a little bit better when i feel like when you write the joke you become a slave to it working a certain way every single time and you're not really taking it forward
2: man that's scary as hell no it's exciting the rest of us now to the rest of us listening And I suppose I'm comfortable doing that on radio. I'll come in and have a bunch of bullet points and I'll start talking. But uh, on a stage where the audience is looking at you, I have the luxury of not having an audience looking at me. (laughs) And I love that. I I don't have any interest in having an audience evaluate me uh, second to second. But um, for you to go on with a premise in your head or a little, you know, little point, maybe not even a punchline. Yeah. And sort of let it evolve on stage. Yeah. Yeah what
1: you're walking a tight wire my god but what I, a
2: crazy what to a me it's scarier job.
1: it's scarier what you're doing because you don't even know what's killing you just No. you know what i mean like for me at least i could see oh i lost them you know whatever like you yeah. i can hear the i get the immediate reaction and then i can say it again like 10 minutes later and, and say it better and then say it better and say it better until i'm good at it you know like putting it out there on the waves you don't know what's going to come back i'm I'm sure you've read certain things you're like wait that that was a problem you have no idea until someone tells you
2: i certainly feel like there are times that i'm sitting here and i go i envision a dude sitting in his car laughing it's always been (laughs) this guy laughing and he's having so i'm killing all over the place but then i really sometimes i'll listen back to it and i go shithead you went on for 10 fucking minutes this is not funny Uh, who is this imaginary guy in your head doesn't exist and you gotta tighten this thing up i mean it's it's crazy and and then although sometimes fans will write me and go that shit you did doing an impression of your mother was so funny. And I go, oh, good. You know, because you really don't know. You, you really you're right. Don't. There's no there's no there's nothing to test it on.
1: It's fun, though, man. It's like it's exhilarating. I want to like perform right now. I've never wanted to perform at 10 in the morning before. But now I want to perform <laughs>
2: because you're getting stimulated thinking about it. Yeah, it's like. I still am so amazed by you that you had this whole career before comedy. You, you started in stand up at 26, which is late for a guy to start in stand up. Yeah. You had this miraculous art career going. I, I still want to see some of your painting and it stuff. It
1: wasn't good. If it was good, I would have, st- I would have stuck with it.
2: <laughs> but you got hired by, what was it? Tommy Hilfiger or something? And, yeah. Uh, I mean, you had, Spike Lee was buying the shit you painted. I mean, yeah, that's pretty impressive
1: yeah but it, um, you know it do you paint good. at all uh anymore or you no, just have dropped it i got so much shit at the house now like i, I get like gifts like you know friends will like get me just, like canvas and paints and stuff and uh i just it's just hard for me to lock in and try it you know like i'll doodle sometimes but it's it's so hard for me to like sit and say okay now i'm gonna paint i'm always like I'm gonna go on stage. At some point right. I, I should. If when I quit the show, I'll do that. That'll be my retirement gift is to actually put brush to canvas. And what do you do? You do portraits? Is that mostly your thing? I don't I don't even know what it would be now at this point, but I I used to like portraits. I like I like still life, you know? Yeah. I, I like I like some abstract y kind of funky shit too. Like yeah. it just depends. I don't it's so it's so hard to like even, it's it's like a weird thing to even think about. Why? It's like it's like talking about what you loved about your ex after you've been married for ten, fifteen years. Hmm. You know wow. what I mean? <laughs> yeah. You're like I don't even know. I guess she was funny. I don't know. <laughs> like I don't. It's hard uh, to. It's hard to like. You know what I'm saying?
2: Yep. I know. I get it. Uh- Hey, by the way, I was talking about this earlier. That Netflix special you did, you know, Shame the Devil. Oh, thank you. One of the things I loved is this observation about Juneteenth. I think this is one of the best jokes I ever heard. (laughs) White people should not get off that day for a holiday because it's like celebrating the day you stopped hitting your wife. That is the greatest (laughs) observation. You know what I mean? I mean, it's really the fucking truth, isn't it? Yeah, it's a fun
1: one. I, do oh. you remember Juneteenth being a thing, Robin?
3: No, never. I, I was like, Juneteenth? What? How did I miss that? What <laughs> yeah. is that?
1: I just, I, found I had to out. go
3: find out. And then when I found out, I was like, well, that's fucked up.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I hate when like, people make it seem like you should know this stuff for years right, and years. And like, right. No one knew this before Google.
3: The I don't know I, who, th- who found it and said, I'm going to make this a thing. Yeah, because it was, it was not a thing. <laughs> it was
1: never a card section. <laughs> it's a I, thing don't now. The go- I don't remember the the Juneteenth card section at CVS. Or no, at there was no,
3: you know, we didn't have the little things. We'd, you know, do the drawings and the reports at school. None of, <laughs> none of that happened.
2: No. <laughs> you know, I like bringing up these bits because, you know, when musicians come on, we can have them play a song. Right. But people like, you know, comics... You gotta go through their greatest hits. And another great hit of yours was the homeless guy who has a big dick. How you just don't feel that bad for him, you know?
6: Like, yeah.
2: And it's the truth. And, and don't you kind of also go like, well, homeless guy, like, what does he need that dick for? It's like, uh, it's a waste on him.
1: Yeah. Uh, I like that joke because it's a, it's a chicken egg thing. It's like, what, is he homeless because his dick is big or is his dick big and he's homeless and he doesn't know what he's got there?
2: And the other thing, too, was a great observation you made about um, the January 6th insurrection and and white people uh, did did it so much better than uh, black people in terms of looting and stuff. The white people trying to steal the Constitution dressed up as Vikings. And then the killer line is, um, why the hell they dressed up as Vikings? What happened to the sheets? And, uh, you know, I was like, that's just I imagine when you write something like that, you know that's going to kill. You know it. And that's the, the anxiousness to get on stage. I want to get on stage and do that.
1: Yeah, but you never have that part. You don't? No, you always have the idea. You always have the, you always have like the, why are they dressed like Vikings? That's what you want to talk about. And by <laughs> right. the time you hear the reaction, then you then you start tagging it and you start tagging it and then it becomes something. But you never start off with that much. It's crazy.
2: That's crazy process. That's why I'm so fascinated about how people work, especially comics and how they come up with their material. Um, you know, I think I told you this the last time that Jerry Seinfeld he writes everything out before he does not want to come up with it on stage. He feels the audience is entitled to a finished, polished show. He shouldn't be working shit out on stage.
1: Well, but he, um, he, he charges a lot more for tickets than I do, so I could understand <laughs> his trepidation. All but right. for for fifteen bucks, man, you could you could. See some half-baked shit, you know? Yeah, right.
2: Yeah, yeah. If you're paying fifteen bucks, you can hear me work a few things out.
1: Yeah, his whole audience is in tuxedos or wherever, some opera <laughs> house. Like, yeah, you should have a polished act by then, Jerry. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. the
2: the the um the the other thing I heard about you is you did write a sketch for Saturday Night Live that never made it on called Wet Coma. Um, <laughs> yeah, I did. It was a great
1: idea. Why did that not get on Wet Coma? <laughs> I think your whole audience is probably. I, I think I got an idea why wet coma didn't get. It was it was uh, Owen Wilson. Uh, he was he slipped into a wet coma, so he was just moaning in a hospital bed. So the coma is like a wet dream. So when people yes. came to
2: visit him, he was in the middle of coming and having a wet dream <laughs> in his coma. You can't do that on Saturday Night Live. I don't yeah,
1: get it. Yeah, and they're trying to like, <laughs> yeah, we had a, we, I, I remember, and it was stuff like that, like that killed at the table, but for whatever reason, we put it in front of the audience. People were baffled. <laughs> like I had this one, I remember Larry David hosted, I don't know if we talked about Larry David hosted, was one of my favorite sketches. Um... He played a guy that, that came up with the California Raisins and he invited Keenan, he invited Keenan and Leslie over to pitch the California Raisins to him. He's like, yeah, they're raisins. They sting Motown songs. Like, this is kind of (laughs) racist. He's like, well, how is it racist? (laughs) And, uh, and we had like all these drawings of like the California Raisins as pimps and playing basketball (laughs) and shit. And the audience saw it and they were just like, absolutely not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we find oh, no. out stuff's not funny at the same time as you do. Is what I'm trying well, to say. <laughs> the um, the M M&M and M sketch
2: you wrote, with mm-hmm. the guy who works in the M M&M and M store and has to apologize to all the other people who work there because of all the horrible things. I think Ka- uh, Zach Galifianakis was. Michael
1: Brian, it was great. That's one of your best sketches, I think. You that know? was and the first th- live sketch I got on.
2: You're kidding? Yeah. And you know, you're able to, you know, deal with racial issues. Even when when you write, wrote uh, Black Jeopardy for Tom Hanks.
1: Yeah, Tom um, Tucker, yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean it, it was a good sketch because it also pointed out that these white um these a lot of these white people had a lot in common with black people like it it, it, it you know it was great. It but but white guys I think would be afraid to write that, you know?
1: Yeah, but, uh Black Jeopardy was always uh like tricky for us to write uh brian tucker and Keenan thompson like we would always be in a room kind of trying to figure it out and because we never want to write it unless we have like a direction for it to go in like the right. first one i think we did was for louis and then we we were trying to i think louis didn't want to do it actually he was, why
2: louis ck you mean uh, yeah. why, why why not because he felt um uh that it was a uh, what
1: I don't know. I, yeah, I, I don't know if he thought it was too politically incorrect. Maybe he just didn't like it. I don't know. But it was like a, it was like kind of a hard sell. I remember it being, um. He kind of didn't, wasn't sure about it. And then it, and then it worked really well. And then I think he was more confident with it. But, um, the next time we did it, we was trying to like figure out different ways to do it and like what would make sense. So it's always kind of hard to do those sketches because every host wants to do it. And we're just like, but we have to figure out a reason to do it. So it makes it kind of hard to have 20 years ago, we would have done that sketch probably 15, 20 times. You know what I mean? Right we've done celebrity jeopardy so many times or we've done like the hits so many times but for that sketch it's always kind of hard to figure out what direction it's going in
2: when you first got to saturday night live you're the only black writer yeah and uh, knowing your stand-up and stuff and so much of it has to do with race Would you bring up stuff uh, in sketch meetings about race? And then everyone goes,
1: no, 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 we can't do that. You don't understand that. No. It would never be that. Like, Saturday Night was such a... Like, you almost never hear no there. You'll you'll be gently nudged in the direction that they'd like for you to be in, but they'd never really... Because it's kind of a writer's friendly. It's probably like the most writer friendly show being that Lauren mm-hmm. comes from a writing background. So the writers are, have like a real good handle on all everything they want to do. Like even in the rewrites as head writer, we'll tell them like we think maybe it should go here. We should, you know, it feels like it needs this. And that's the suggestion. If you don't take the note, it's not like you're fired. You just better be right. You know what I mean? Or you get less trust, I guess, in the system. But for the most part, the writer kind of always has an opportunity to say, no, you guys were wrong. This is what I really want to do. And, you know, just put it in front of the audience, at least for dress. But, um, but the white writers, they would they get it? I mean, you're that's from the a problem is that yeah. if you're the only black guy in a the room, they may just not understand what the joke is. That's why mm-hmm. it was so much fun having like Sam J and having Gary Richardson and having you know when there was more black writers in the rooms, they could kind right. of laugh at stuff and you, you they would understand where the joke was coming from, and then and then people would be like, oh, maybe there is something to it that I don't get because there's a lot of stuff on the show that I don't get. you know what i mean from that other perspective and right i I gotta kind of trust it because it's killing around me and i'm like well i guess they know something i don't know i was i was way into the weeds on your career
2: and reading about like i'm always curious about saturday night live and the office that you shared you had you um you shared an office with uh jay farrow and later with leslie jones and i'm like what is it? Do they stick all the black writers in the same room together? Like, did it, do, you, do you ever get to work with white people, or do they keep? Is it is it the last bastion of segregation? I mean, what's going on there?
1: I, it was me. Jay was brutal because Jay had the smallest office, and I had, and they like put me in there, and it's like me, Jay, and a popcorn machine. If you could just imagine what that smelled like, <laughs> was, oh god! But then, uh, yeah, it was me, Tim Robinson, and Leslie Jones in an office, and that certainly wasn't big enough, but right. uh, it was a lot of. Fun fun now that
2: you're head writer do you have your own office do you have like a big uh section of that
1: that building certainly not big but i i do have my own office i do have like nice. a, a small little a small little sliver but in a way isn't that a disadvantage it's probably
2: good to be with other writers in a
1: room. i missed it i was way more productive when i when i was writing with like uh Tim and Zach, who have a show on Netflix, a great sketch on Netflix, uh, I think you should leave. They, they shared an office with me, uh, before they left the show to do their own show. And that office was the Lonely Island office. And then after we left, it became the Good Neighbor office. And now it's the Please Don't Destroy office. So it feels like, it's like a, it's like a three-man office that for whatever reason, like a lot of weird stuff comes out of. It's like something, something in the, in that office. What was the story with Leslie Jones that she would, she had a bag or something where
2: <laughs> whatever you asked her for, she had in the bag. You like know, if you she needed like a this- snack. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever had, like, the this fuck you
1: needed, roller suitcase when she first came in, man. Leslie was she's was the best. She's had this roller yeah. suitcase and she just have like oranges and medicine she's Like you need penicillin? Like where you got penicillin? <laughs> for? She she's like the craziest <laughs> shit, man. Yeah. She was, oh man. She was always like, but she was like that kind of thoughtful. Like she always thought somebody's gonna need this. You know, she'll see <laughs> something and have it for you the next day. And you're like, well, I don't need, I don't need uh icy hot right now. Like, what are you giving this for? I read your uh,
2: tweet when uh, that whole thing went down with Will Smith and uh, uh, Chris Rock, but has that affected you at all in terms of going to a club do you think like oh is this opening up the door for people to jump on stage and start mixing it up if they don't like something or have you just put it out of your mind and said i'm just not going to fucking deal with it
1: yeah i can't i try not to think of it you know i try not to think about it on stage because it just makes for a a tension that's not exactly fun you know what i mean it's to me comedy is like sex it's like the, the try not to think of the horrors <laughs> you know like it kind of ruins the mood uh yeah. when you but uh yeah it's it was a weird a weird thing i felt like we we lost a hero that day yeah yeah how did really you feel cautious. did you was you i uh i i called chris mm-hmm.
2: uh i didn't speak with him i left him a message saying what kind of fucking bullshit is this yeah I was outraged that no one in that audience took this guy and threw him right the fuck out, and then they're applauding him ten minutes later. And I, I said, "This is the most bizarre thing I've ever seen."
1: You know, the worst Chris, part too yeah, yeah. was that they they made him still give out the award. Yeah, yeah, they didn't like dump out to black or anything. Like, what Nothing. if that was like Tilda Swinton? That would have been <laughs> it. Would have been a forty minute commercial break until they figured out what happened. They just still made him read the fucking prompter after that
2: and the thing that hurt me is i know how hard chris worked in his career yeah you know when he got off snl no one was thinking about him he was like kind of dead in the water and this guy rose from the grave and made himself into one of the best stand-up comics mount rushmore for sure you bet i mean my god Uh, he's he's terrific and i went you know that slap i don't know what the outcome is but now unfortunately chris has got to deal with that Mm -hmm. every time he goes on stage. Mm-hmm. He's the guy who got slapped, and he's got to figure out how to win the audience over, get them to forget about that and all that kind of shit. He should sue Will Smith for $250 million for I'm what so, it's going to
9: cost. Him. I'm so
1: glad you said that, because one of the things that annoyed me was, you know, when it was happening, people were like, oh, well now he's selling tickets. He's like, yeah, he had a polished act. That he wanted to present to people, and now his people are buying tickets to hear him talk about this dumb shit that he has right. zero interest in even bringing up. And I think for a long time, that's probably why he didn't bring it up because he wanted to just get the story over with. He had an act; he was prepared for something right. else, and now he's he's just hijacked his show. It was like, yeah, I, I, it annoyed it annoyed the hell out of me. But you know, whatever.
2: Have you spoken with him, or have you
1: just? Kind I, have, of, I I haven't uh, spoken to him. A, about that as much because i'm always uh, you know it's chris rocks so i'm always still gonna ask nerdy ass questions about other shit right. and he's usually yeah. <laughs> he's usually giving me career advice and stuff uh, right you know, your friends, off a ledge. so you
2: haven't talked specifically about that but no, no 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 but but when, when you talk to a guy like that mm-hmm. uh it's thrilling because he's at the top of his game and 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 he's someone that you can really uh talk about show business but are you hesitant to bring up stuff about stand-up because it's like you know you don't go to Paul McCartney and you talk about music because you're afraid you're going to be like oh he just thinks I'm all I want to talk about is music. Do you try to talk about everything else but comedy when you talk to Chris Rock?
1: No, I, I like talking about comedy because he, he's like some like I don't have a I'm not from a showbiz family like no it, it's kind of good for me to be able to talk to people like in a way that I would talk to my. Big Brothers or my dad or something like that. Like if I... Like, if I called my dad and was like, hey, you know, should I leave SNL? This is what they're paying me. He's going to be like, yeah, you better stay forever. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know Chris Rock could give me some crazy? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> they, give, they give me what? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> an office. You know, so right. it's, uh, it's hard to, you know, to talk to other people that are respected in that way and in a relatable way and get relatable advice. But, but for Chris and for Dave and you know, even, you know, tell and you know, certain guys that I look up to, I could kind of talk to them and and actually get something useful he's so right
2: when you don't come from a show business family right where it is completely out of the realm of possibilities that you could be in this thing that (laughs) the elite people are in yeah you know i remember my father would say to me you you can't be on the radio you're an idiot like literally just would say it so and the weird thing is when i got into radio I became this rebellious asshole who never turned to anybody else in radio and asked a question. And it was probably such a huge mistake in my life. I didn't make friends in radio. And I'm envious that you have that awareness. I can turn to these people and treat them as like th- the family that I didn't have yeah. or the confidant I never had. You yeah.
1: Know? I, I, it, it's a lot like, like you were just talking about, you know, initially, it's, you know, when you're, when you're in that, when you're upstairs at the cellar, or you know, backstage at the stand, or you know, all these clubs, this is where you kind of, this is what we're talking about. <laughs> you know what I mean? This is, right. this is kind of why you're not nervous. You're like, oh man, I'm working on this bit. Oh, I gotta do this city. Hey, what do you do here? You know, whatever. Oh, I'm thinking about trying going out for this. Hey, you know what you should do? You know, it's, it's almost, it's like our golf course. This is, this is our right. talking shop. This is our, you know, giving advice. This is our taking advice and shitting on each other and all of that kind of thing. And by the time you almost forget you. Have a set. Sometimes you know, there's guys that go there and forget to perform.
2: Are there comics who are antisocial in the sense that they don't want to share with you, they don't want to offer advice, they deal, or or there's a chip on their shoulder? Because I I relate to that. I think I had some sort of chip on my shoulder about uh rejecting oh,
1: everyone else. You know, oh, man. I always I will say this. I will say this. I felt like and and there's a there's a ton of exceptions, don't get me wrong there's a a lot of exceptions, I'm not saying everybody, but I felt like for me starting out it was harder to get like um, advice and encouragement from the bigger black Comedians than it was for like the mainstream white comedians. I felt like they were a lot more welcoming, and I, I don't know if it's because they didn't think of me as a threat or think of me. I think a lot of times, like you know, for the older black comedians they they came up in a time where there'd be one comic at a time. So they were a little bit more protective of their spot. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And I feel like for white comics, they're like, oh, yeah, please. Yeah, whatever. You know, it was almost... It was almost adorable that I was getting to go on stage so quickly, but uh, for, yeah. for black comics, it was a little bit, with a, with a lot of exceptions. With Dave Chappelle being one person that like immediately was you know very nice and and helpful and Kevin somebody as well. very generous. Patrice was very generous. So it's a, there's exceptions, but I, I noticed that it was it was always tricky. I always be like, does this guy hate me? Like, what what's this guy's problem? But I, it would literally just be it felt like they didn't trust me for some reason or something like...
2: Well, I think the general attitude is, hey, I'm a black comic. Here's a young black comic. He's going to steal my spot. Maybe? He's going to... Yeah, because that's why um, I was afraid to approach radio guys. If I had a good idea... Or I maybe I heard of a job opening somewhere where I could audition mm-hmm. to be the morning guy. Mm-hmm. I, I better not tell any of them. They'll, they'll, <laughs> they'll tell me I suck, or they'll go and steal the job, or something like that. Maybe right. maybe it's that kind of thing.
1: I think you know? also too, like there is this there. This all yes, I agree with that, and I also think there's this inherent kind of. I don't know if you're serious about this, and I need to see you in certain situations, in certain trenches, and to trust you're funny. To be able you know, it's like a rite of passage for me to help you was, was bernie mac was bernie, mac
2: was bernie Mac one of those guys who you couldn't um uh talk
1: i never to? never met Bernie Mac, but i've heard the exact opposite about bernie mac i've I've, right. I've had people who came up under Bernie Mac I have friends that came come up under Bernie Mac and they've all said that he was extremely supportive.
2: Because I, I I had Bernie Mac several times on my show, I, there was never a funnier guy. Oh my god! Oh, I'm yeah. talking about naturally funny yeah. guy. His his manner of his stage presence, everything yeah. about. So I would imagine he'd be so secure that he would have said to you, "Hey, eh, Michael Che, come on, man, let's let let, let let's talk." Let, you know, I I just imagine that. But
1: I don't, I don't want to give the wrong idea. I like a I, I don't think it's like an immediate threat. I think it is kind of just like a competitive. fuck him kind of thing you know what i mean i don't think it's necessarily like oh this guy's better i think it's just more like uh who is this guy get him out of here i worked for this spot and you know i'm not i'm not taking in on no goddamn runaways you know what i mean i think there is that kind of
2: and that's why i think you respond well to a lorne michaels here's a dude been around in show business his whole life he Mm. was a writer Mm -hmm. like you Mm -hmm. and uh you know who did you have to ask I mean, I know in my career, I didn't know anybody in radio. Who the fuck am I going to ask anything to? So when a Lorne Michaels puts his arm around you and says, you, you know, I'm going to give you a shot. You're my, now you're my head writer, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. he produce, he's the exec on your, uh, on your TV show.
1: Yeah. Lorne um, Lorne kind of told me I can do a lot of stuff that I never wanted to do or thought I could do. You know what I mean? So I, you know, I owe a lot to him just as far as opening my my mind to what this business could be for me right uh because you know as a stand-up it's like i said it's it's the sexiest part of the business for me you know so if it was up to me i would just be doing stand-up and that and right. i'd be completely fine with it in fact when i did snl it was to get better stand-up gigs you know like that's can all you, i'm can thinking can you
2: make about. a can you make a great li- like a guy like a tell I'm, I'm bringing him up because mm-hmm. i know him yeah can he make a great living I mean he's not of he's course. just doing st- Yeah. But like, what, yeah. what's a guy like that earn? What it, 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 he's he, cuz he's a top comic. We yeah. don't see him let's he's able to concentrate. What could a guy like
1: that earn a year? Could he make I don't know. What could he make? I don't I mean I don't know what he does make but I'm sure he could he could make whatever he really wanted. I mean it, it's I I think it's just a matter of how often he wants to go on the road and which venues he wants to play. So he's a wealthy man. I'd imagine so. I, I mean I imagine he's fine. I don't know I don't know how wealthy he is, I mean but I, I imagine he's he's fine. I I don't know, I guess I've not really thought of that
3: nobody's seen dave's house nobody
2: well, you know, i haven't, nobody I haven't, I haven't been to the it. i haven't no, been to the hamptons
1: like, place you know but, the, uh,
2: yeah, yeah right you know what you know on career day you go hmm, maybe i'm thinking about a career in stand-up what can
1: a guy make you know like okay yeah, you know, yeah how I've much, never, i never really yeah. like i don't know what anybody makes like i to me like netflix is that true come on it, outside of Netflix announcing how much money they're giving people for specials, I have (laughs) no clue how much people make. Sometimes I'll see comedians like I I saw like You know, Fluffy on Jalen, like show his car collection or some shit. And you're like, Fluffy? What? What? <laughs> not that he's a, not a great comic, but you're just like, I had no idea Fluffy was was a billionaire. You know, you have yeah, no right. idea <laughs> Jeff Dunham has a helicopter. You have no idea how great some of these guys are actually doing. I mean, Maniscalco is somebody that's a that's a killer, and right. he's selling arenas on arenas on arenas, and you, you don't know that. You just look up and see him at Madison Square Garden. You're like, Oh, I guess he's doing what? Well. Well, you know, like you never you never really think of it until you start hearing numbers because we're not we're not movie stars in the way that like, oh, Jim Carrey or Will Smith or somebody. Oh, they got 25 million to be Batman or whatever the fuck, you know, for, for standups. It's just what you do, you know, what where you play and how often you play. I say I think they
2: should talk about it because, like, I know rock bands like like the Eagles set the, the standard for how uh, how much money the promoter gets versus, mm. you know, you know what I mean? Like, it's almost like you guys should have a conversation about it. But I guess everyone's too embarrassed to sit there and, and, and discuss it. I even think with these Netflix specials, in a way, do you like when you sell a special to Netflix, are you like, wait a second. Chappelle got what? And you guys only (laughs) want to give me this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. Don't you see that like most comics, I know when I came over to Sirius XM. Every radio guy I knew said, "Hey, I heard what Stern's making. Give me that." Exactly. And they were like, well, "Yeah, but you're not bringing in the subscribers the way uh, Stern is doing, so they wouldn't give it to them." I, I would imagine when when these comics see the the, uh, the 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 Dave Chappelle deal, they they probably go, "Well, I want that," and and they you know they're not they they're not up to that yet. But I it's guess.
1: only because they've heard it. Like for instance, mm-hmm. like uh, to me, bring the pain probably pound for pound. Was the most impactful special of my like consciousness, you know. I mean, other than Raw, right. or whatever. But like, I remember when Bing, Bring the Pain came out. It was like Earth. It was it was it changed everything. You know what I mean? It was right. it was definitely a needle drop. So I don't know how much he made on Bring the Pain. I don't know. I never thought, oh, he must have made hundred million bucks. I have no clue right. as to that until you start hearing people announce numbers. And then I don't like that they announce numbers though, because I think they start to they start to put comedians in different categories that we, we kind of have to someone's like knowing how much your, your priest makes you know it's like eh, i don't really want to take advice from this guy if i know that he's well very also, wealthy <laughs> also in my mind it affects
2: the art in other words totally. you do respect yeah like all of a sudden i go well, wait he got paid 20 months this must be funny it's like it's like um you read a painting and you see it's a piece of shit and you hear yeah. it sold for a $100 million, you know, and you go, oh, well, hmm, maybe that is worth, you know, it, it you evaluate the art based on how much the guy got. Absolutely.
1: Paid. Absolutely. Yeah. I think. It, but I also do think there is sort of like there's a there's kind of a thing that comedians like to protect uh, even presentation wise. Like you'll see a lot of comedians. They don't they don't really dress up. They, they try to keep a low profile. They don't have huge right. entourages like they don't right. they don't present themselves as rock stars. Few have, right. some have, you know, there's always Eddie Murphy or, or you know, Dane Cook or whatever, but like very few comedians present themselves in a very flashy way. So, you know, you you kind of try to keep a modest profile, which is why Fluffy's able to make what he makes. You know, no one's right. thinking, you know, no one's thinking that until they see him playing a, a friggin' soccer field and you're like, good God. Shout out to Fluffy, by the way. I'm not, I'm not shitting on him. I'm just just saying. By Fluffy,
2: by (laughs) Fluffy, you mean Carrot Top, right? Okay. So, uh, no, no offense to Carrot Top. I happen to think he's funny. I'm, I'm sorry. But, uh, I, I just don't understand. I'm not against prop humor. If you laugh, that's fucking, that, that works. That's, uh, that, that's, that's where I'm at. But, but you're right. There's almost an embarrassment. Like you're trying to be a man of the people. Yes. I think like you think. And then if they're, they're talking about your $20 million payday, it's very hard to be the man of the people. It's
1: very hard. It's it's very hard. You 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 know you, it's it's not relatable the whole reason you're there is because people relate to you but once you start saying I'm worth 300 million dollars it's like well, I don't relate to that guy anymore and so then, we're
2: never gonna we're never gonna see you in Architectural Digest with your estate we're gonna have to just imagine the Michael Che um, uh, estate we
1: those are the dark days when you start to see me on Architectural <laughs> that's oh man <laughs> those are some dark days yeah, I married yeah. some actress and things are going bad
2: <laughs> uh, a, a little bit of a uh, uh, of, of minutia about your career, you used to open for Gilbert Gottfried, and Gilbert recently passed away. Yeah. I had Gilbert on the show many years, uh, for many
1: years. That was a bit of a shock, right? I mean, oh, who man, knew? Was man. Like, it was, yeah. it was uh, really sad, and I, I wish I, it. It's, it sucks that this is how people start to, you know, revisit our legends. You mm-hmm. know, this is, you know, this is when people start to kind of dig in and say, oh, you know, Gilbert was around this whole time, and he was extremely right. funny, and. and you know, it would be great if people appreciated him more when he was around, but yeah, you know, Gilbert, he was, he was the sweetest guy, and same with Bob, you know, uh, mm-hmm. same oh, with Norm. You. It was just like a yeah. really weird year. I yeah, i just Norm. opened, I, I like guested on Bob's show last summer, right before, and I almost didn't do it. Like, he was playing in my in my uh, neighborhood. Uh, Bob Saget, uh, you uh, mean? Yeah, Bob Saget, yeah. Right. And uh, he asked me to come by, and I was like, I forgot, and then I was like, "Oh yeah, I told Bob I'd come back. I got I got to see Bob. I got to see Bob." And I went, and I, you know, I'm so glad I did because that's the last time I got to see him. But uh, yeah, this is a rough, rough year. So you didn't watch the Norm Macdonald
2: uh, special where uh, he recently released no, this can't. on Netflix? I, I couldn't either. I can't. I had a hard time with it. It was tough. was um, really tough. Yeah. Why was it hard for you? I'll tell you why it was hard
1: for me. <sighs> because, like I said, it's uh to me it feels like it's it's putting a period on a friend or putting a period on kind of a a legend it feels like i'm i'm watching a it feels like you're watching a eulogy you know it's a, yeah. it's uncomfortable and uh you know to know that he knew it's rough. I mean, I'm sure it's done very well and I'm sure it's hilarious and I'm sure it's, you know, it's norm. And, and, I'm, and yeah. I'm happy that Netflix did it because I think that that's probably what he wanted. But for me, knowing him, it's hard to watch.
2: Yeah, I thought the, the I started to watch it and I, I had a hard time because the material was brilliant. It yeah, really was brilliant, but it wasn't being done in front of a live audience, and I was like, oh, this isn't how Norm wanted us to see this. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 ridiculous of me to figure out how Norm wants us to see it, but that was the feeling
1: I had, and uh yeah. I don't know. I mean, maybe like this an, he knew this would be the only way we'd see it, and he'd rather... That's
3: what I've read, that he knew, you know, going yeah. into what he was going into, that this might not ever get out, and he loved the material,
1: and he wanted it seen. That's That's, I mean, but that's the fucking curse you know what I mean like that's that's what we deal with that's why I say oh, I'll give it all up to just do stand up full time because it's like of all the things you have to think about knowing your mortality knowing your fate and you're like I gotta get this joke out though (laughs) you know what I mean even if if I'm sitting on my couch like that's the curse that's that's a lifer isn't
2: that something that's gonna be you I'm telling you 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 love stand up so much that right to the end you're gonna be doing it I got a feeling I really truly do
1: I, I really truly believe so too if there's something that i like more than stand up keep it the fuck away from me
2: right (laughs) right right but uh you know i think one other thing we should mention is you are quite the matchmaker Am I? You? Yes, you are. Okay. Getting, you should get credit. You wrote the Aladdin sketch for Pete <laughs> Davidson, for Pete Davidson and Kim Kardashian, <laughs> and you wrote in a kiss. By the way, you uh, certainly write any sketch for me where I get to make out with hot chicks. Uh, he first of all, he must have thanked you a million times. I can't take
1: full credit for that. That was Joe's. Uh, that was Joe's idea. We we wrote it together. But uh, okay, I can't So take, you wrote it together. I, that was mostly. That was a, that was a straight up jost. Anything that has. A Doing an erection is, is just <laughs> did you see you, you know you don't expect that from him the way he looks and everything he looks like an innocent
2: choir boy but uh but but, but look at all the trouble you started yeah um uh, first of all uh, now <laughs> pete is ensconced in this kardashian lifestyle you know did he ever come to you and say thank you thank you for writing this i got to make out with this chick and now i'm with her i mean i hope there was a thank you
1: Abs- absolutely not but <laughs> absolutely he hasn't mentioned it in fact this is the first time hearing that they're dating is it serious <laughs> <laughs> those two kids while he's leaving yeah he's over.
2: Of- Do over any of you guys like did pete come to you or um i forget the names of the other three people who are leaving but there's a I bunch of people kate, kate, uh, uh, kate, kate mckinnon Bady, Kyle. kate's a big uh loss right i mean uh, she, she's she's so, think so gifted uh, with her yeah. comedy
1: Andy right. Bryan, Bryan and Kyle Mooney, yeah. yeah, they're all kind of like super uh, yeah. reliable for the, you know, they're, they're like, if we have a show where they're not in much of the show, it's a concern of, okay, let's make sure that they're covered in some way, you know. Does
2: anyone come to Michael Check and say, listen, Michael, you're wise. You know no what? Wait, wait a second. Me, ever like, sentence, n- nobody ever uttered that sentence. Nobody, nobody comes to you and says, "You know, hey, I'm thinking about leaving. What do you think?" No one says that. No one discusses it. No,
1: we. Everyone talks, but you talk about like I said, it's like working in the police department. Everyone's like, I got to get the fuck out of here. Like <laughs> <it's, laughs> everyone's like a prison yard. Everyone's right. saying they want to leave, right? And then right. They, but yet they can't. Like it's it's hard to yeah. do. I I don't believe it until. Are so you I jealous? See the <laughs> Are you jealous
2: of them leaving? In a sense, do you kind of go, hmm? You know, eh, they, boy, they have balls. You know.
1: Part of me gets jealous of them leaving, but part of me would be jealous if I left and they stayed, you know, like right. you do. You, you will miss it. It is sure it is. It's, it's so much of it, it literally raises you as a comic kind of in the way clubs do. So it's it's hard to walk away completely, but. You know, I'm sure the first week we're doing a show and we're stressed out over something, i would be like, I should have just fucking left. You know, immediately. Yeah, that's all you that's all you can think about. But they're they're all they've been there for 10 years. It's like how, you know, they they kind of they kind of had their fill, I guess.
2: Your life is so busy and full. And of course, we celebrate your show. The second season of that damn Michael Che on uh, HBO Max. You got to uh, see it. There's some great sketch stuff going on. And then also a little bit of stand up interspersed which i always think is fun it's like uh the stand up sets up the, the the sketches and it's it's yeah. uh, it's really good man i've i've mentioned a bunch of the sketches but uh
3: yeah it, it I, just... you know the one that really stood out for me cuz howard talks about this all the time you know once you uh, masturbate to porn or have sex to porn, you got to turn it off. You don't want to see that anymore. You're and disgusting. this
8: guy wants, he
3: finishes having Dude. sex to
11: porn and then he wants to finish the movie. Yeah. What a weirdo. <laughs> what a great thought.
1: Yeah. I, was, I used to have a joke yeah. where, I, where I said I always kind of want to know what happens after. Like I want to see I want to see the lady eat the free pizza. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. But
2: uh, Yes. Yeah, so you got to watch that damn Michael Che show on HBO Max. I think you'll love it. You can also hear Michael on Sirius XM's Netflix is a joke channel 93 and today's comedy radio on Pandora. He's the busiest man in show business. He's head right in on SNL. He's doing the weekend update. I'm hosting got... Family
1: Feud next, no, There you go. I mean,
2: <laughs> what, is there time? Yeah, I mean, I don't read anything about your personal life. Are you in love? What is going on with you? I don't think there's time for a serious relationship with
1: you. I think you're married to stand up. I honestly do. Thank you for saying that because now I could use this as proof when I'm in the <laughs> argument. <laughs> <laughs> I'm married. You- Even Howard said I'm busy. Come on, you know. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, but seriously, when you're with,
2: listen, and I know you got a romantic life. And um, do you get, like, are you accused of not making enough time in relationships? Because there's no way you can. I remember early in my career, I was working, I had a TV yeah. show, I had a radio show, I was writing a book, I was doing a movie, and I got accused by everyone. Like, gee, you're, you know, all you care about is your career. And it became stressful. And and I understood, but there's only so much of you to go around and so much energy. How you handle that in a relationship?
1: Yeah, it's it's you, I don't I don't know. It's 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 tough to do. I mean, it's like uh to me it's like you you never have to it's it's hard to it it's it's all hard, but when you have a friend, you kind of tend to make time for what you enjoy and if you enjoy somebody enough, you can you can um, you find a way to make that time would a perfect relationship for you to
2: be with another comedian
1: hell no hell no <laughs> hell no god damn it uh, no but
2: but what about a power couple like you know Collins Collins got his the uh, Scarlett you know they're both in show business she's not what funny a... no oh, yeah, she's <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but seriously what about you in a power couple
1: situation like that are you no.
2: jealous at all of uh, of Collins uh relationship with Scarlett
1: no absolutely not i mean i'm jealous in the way that like oh i'm happy for you boy i'm I'm happy that you're happy but uh not i I don't i'm not really into celebrities as being something it's it's more like oh you found somebody that makes sense for you like that's kind of what's cool do you detect that his work is suffering now
2: in the writing room because he is in a relationship, and he's spending too much time with Scarlett Johansson.
1: I believe. he's suffering a lot longer than that. it was suffering <laughs> for <before> them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, no, I was
2: thinking, bad. if you married uh, Nikki Glaser, for example, you would then be this uh, comedy power couple, and then you couldn't both of you could go out and do stand up, and, uh, and everyone would understand. There you go. Why married already? Why can't we just I get coffee know. first? <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of marriage, maybe you could never be. A married man because you're so self-realized you know what you love you know you love stand-up you know you love writing comedy those priorities are not going to change maybe you're doing the decent thing you're saying i can't
1: i can't commit that way i think that's how i justify it I certainly I certainly think that that's the logic that crosses my like, speaking. Honestly, I do think that I say, well, I feel like I'm doing you a favor by not making this more serious because I don't know how much I could keep this up and i don't want to hurt anybody you know or you don't want to be in a position where you've let someone down so i i do think that that is sort of a maybe a crutch or an excuse that i use a lot that i try to kind of back away thinking well i'm not going to want to be consistent with this at some point so i'm going to prematurely leave or make this uh, as informal as possible, and and I probably ruined a lot of fucking good situations that way.
2: Have you ever been in, lo- in love? Sure,
1: yeah. To know, no, no I that's, like it, that's, that's, that's <laughs> I, I, gotta, I to me. I think to me, I think love is a verb, right? I think love is action, and I think being in love with somebody means doing, means giving love. Like, mean it. It means it's a it's a commitment and i right. I have made that commitment where I was in love with them it's like to me it's like a it's like a job it's like a work it's a relationship it's a you know I've done that but i've also i've also quit
2: you've quit because, <laughs> you know. because it it it's too even even in love with someone yeah you have to quit because it, You know, you cannot devote that time to, to, for you to meet, you'd have to meet someone so in sync with you. Yeah. In order to commit to that. And you know, it would be a selfish relationship, I guess, because you would have to come first. In other words, your needs would have to come first. I need to go do stand up. I need to write for Saturday Night Live. I need to do my, my TV show.
1: Or is it the opposite as well? Is the opposite true where, um, I, I th- I'd like to say that I oh I know I can't but if I was in a position where I met somebody that I thought could certainly come first before everything that I love in my life well I don't want no part of that because I I'm happy where I am right now and I know that if I get into something serious this could take over my life and become priority and I'm afraid that it's going to make me Worse at the thing that I already love, you know, sometimes you don't take that chance because you want to like I always say, if I made if I made $50,000 at a at a desk job, I would have never tried comedy because I would have been too afraid to risk losing something that sort of, that I'm already secure with. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So It's hard for me to make time for my dream because I'm trying to protect this thing that's stable.
2: Although you look at the greatest comics, you know, you take like a Mel Brooks uh-huh. or you know, these guys these guys had great love affairs, you know, mm-hmm. with women and they 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 were successful. Mm-hmm. They were able to compartmentalize the love relationship mm-hmm. and the career. Yeah. But, for but sure. you don't trust yourself to do that. You you don't think you're capable of doing that. It's scary. It is. Yeah. Have you ever had a woman that was in love with you? And she said, "Please, we can work this out. We can do it." And you said, "No," and and you broke it off.
1: Uh, there's been variations of that. Yeah. Wow. There's been variations of that.
2: Do you ever lie in bed sometimes and regret that you go? I lie in bed. Maybe... All the time. <laughs> yeah. No. But do you ever say to yourself, "Oh man," like that was you such a loving, that, that was, was like... such a loving, great relationship.
1: Uh. Um, yeah.
2: And totally. Yeah. Totally. For sure, but you, can't, but you can't go back because that would be misleading.
1: But I, I, I even lied in bed, uh thinking that knowing it to not be true. Just fondly thinking of the best times, you start to remember just the best times of people sometimes, and right. and then you you reopen it and you realize, no, this did not make sense. It didn't make sense. At, why did I? Why did I think this would be different? You know, like right. it's it's always that when you're. On the road alone, or when you're you're hanging out with a, or even if you're like not alone, even if you're just hanging out with a bunch of people, you're like, I don't want to be doing this anymore. You know, you're yeah, yeah,
2: Uh, and it's dangerous on the road too because you can't just like if some girl comes up to you in the club and she's very friendly and makes it clear she wants to sleep with you, then it's a whole other complication because oh shit, if I do this, uh, I'm leading her
1: on and I'm gonna hurt her and blah, blah 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 so it's, it's so much harder to meet people the further along it goes you know like yeah. just meeting like it, it used to be i loved being on the i loved every part of the road now it's like get me to the gig and get me to my room and that's it you know like i don't even want to be around anybody like i don't i'm not trying to me because you just the trust is different the the everything's different your expectations I are mean, you different. Your appetite's different. Everything's different. Like, look at these big comics. Let me talk about the biggest
2: names. They uh-huh. get the private jet. Uh-huh. They jet in for a gig, uh-huh. and then they jet home that night. Uh-huh. You know. But those are only the biggest, biggest names, right? Uh, they, they, you know.
1: Who, who else can afford to do that? Uh, I've done it a couple times. Yeah, you did. You do. Yeah. I, I, I don't I like know if you know this about me, Howard, but I'm very financially irresponsible. <laughs> Are you? will you spend more on the jet
2: than on the actual money you made at the gig that night?
1: No, 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 <laughs> no, no 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 absolutely not
2: <laughs> um do do a lot of the cast members try to hook you up with different people like in other words does colin say listen scarlett's friends with so and so
1: all the time you, they do yeah all the time i would imagine
2: that's exciting
1: i don't think they believe me when i when i tell them i want nothing to do with show business Really yeah I don't you've
2: never dated someone in showbiz? you've never seen a guest host on Saturday Night Live, for mm-hmm. example, or mm-hmm. met someone where you go you know that's an exciting performer um you know, let me go over and say hello absolutely not Wow,
1: why are you so in why are you so dedicated to this idea? I just know the i, I don't i just first of all I think I think uh fame and celebrity is is like the part you put up with for what I actually like to do, which is perform, you know? I see. So to almost double down and and a famous woman who is like, it's so much harder to be a famous woman than it is to be a famous man, just because of the treatment. I mean, they make fun of you for wearing. You can't wear a bikini. You can't go to the beach. You can't. <laughs> <You're> <laughs> you can't right. have a, You can't right. wear sweatpants. Like, you, like they, right. they trash women, famous women, all the time. It's brutal. Yeah. Like no brutal. brutal, brutal. So it's just yeah. like, and now you've inherited all of that. Mm. Now you're not. You, you know, they publicly say you, you, he's not good enough. He should. She should be like. It's just the, the way they treat celebrities relationships the the woman always gets the worst end of the stick and the guy has to inherit everything she gets so i just those those relationships i'm always like wow that seems like you gotta really really like a motherfucker to to invest in that but if you date a waitress or something Oh, who cares like a, if she wears a bikini? She's fine. Yeah, but, but <laughs> how does she relate to your life and
2: the, the trials and tribulations of trying to stay on top in show business? You know what I mean? It's very difficult.
1: I think that's the, the, the move is somebody that you've known before that you, that kind of has a handle of, that's kind of seen you grow. That's why I say it gets harder and harder every day that you, that you don't. Mm-hmm. commit to somebody because it's it's somebody catching you further into this mess of celebrity you know so we won't see you on raya that uh app where the mm-hmm. celebrities all date you will not. No, we will not. All right. We well, not. there you go. Well,
2: listen to me. The, the Absolutely, I learned my lesson
1: there. <laughs> yeah. Oh,
3: you did. Did you go on?
1: <laughs> oh man, I got in trouble one time. This this lady, like, I, I met this lady on. I just met her. Like, I wasn't even like trying to date her or whatever. It was just uh-huh. like a, oh yeah, I'll take my number. And um, I you know after like. A day of texting, I realized I, I'm not interested in this person, and I and and then she started getting like kind of crazier and crazier, and and then I I just told her I was like, hey, look, this is like a very very strange interaction, and I, I kind of just want to end this right now, like leave me alone. I don't want to meet you, and then she. Like, went on this podcast and, and went to the press and was saying that I, I kind of was an asshole and all of this. Mm. And I had no idea, but I get a message. I get a message on social media from the, from the, some page six reporter that's like, Hey, we're going to run with this story about you ghosting this lady and being an asshole to her. And, and I'm like, what? I, I sent them every single text message to right. be like, this is what, this is the interaction <laughs> that we had. And this is all the interaction. <laughs> and they yeah. ran with that. And then they posted this lady and it kind of back Fired, but to me, I was like, "Well, what if I didn't have that? I would have maybe hurt my career. People would have right. thought I was, you know, they would have assumed the worst." And uh, so How after scary that, is uh, that, it's How extremely horrible. scary. Yeah, oh my God. it's such a nasty thing to do. But you know, also you you start to that's what I'm saying. It's so it's so much mm. harder to kind of just open up and oh think people God. have the best of intentions when they that is love. a soul crushing story. Yes, I
2: mean, cause you know, why it's soul crushing to me. Here you are, you know, we're talking about your career and how hard you've worked at this. And like you've beaten the odds and you put a lot of effort into it. Yeah. Somebody who who you just even just have a text exchange with is yeah. out to ruin it. And it's just fucking heartbreaking. It really is. They Like, man. Who thinks to do that? Right. Right. Who does? And guess
3: what? They hardly have to put any effort in it. All they yeah. have to do is say, he ghosted me and he's awful. And yeah. everybody goes, we gotta f- follow up this story.
1: Yeah, they wrote, they, they were writing the story. Lady's like, I'm gonna write the story. Do you have any comment? <laughs> I was like, what? Yeah. No, I don't have any comment. But right. I just like gave her the proof. Like, dude, I I didn't, but. And, and also, even having even to if do I that, did, even if I even yeah. if I was an asshole, I can't I can't even be an asshole anymore. What, what right. Right,
3: right, that's yeah, part, yeah. part of humanity, right?
2: <laughs> and back in the day, Elvis used to paralyze women's breasts with a with a pool cue. I mean, uh, <laughs> what did you do? You, nobody, nobody, said nobody, nobody said a word. Nobody said a word. Oh, hey, so uh, let's uh, let's just say this: watch the second season of that damn Michael Che now on HBO Max. I'm happy to report it is a good fucking show and it's funny oh, and thanks, there's a man. lot of funny i i only mentioned yes. a couple of the sketches because i'm not going to sit here and recite all of michael's uh, comedy but it's but really you great. should watch
3: the show it's great
2: yeah i'll tell you one thing The <laughs> one of the funniest things you'll see is uh on the show It's this bit about going to an ancestry, you know, finding out about your ancestry. And then you learn Michael learns his uncle was an FBI informant who set up Martin Luther King and Malcolm X. And then he finds out his aunt was a makeup artist who invented blackface. And, uh, you know, that's pretty fun. Not only that,
3: his original ancestor
2: turned in the slaves that were going to escape. Right. (laughs) Yeah. It's such a great observation. Right, I mean, really, those ancestry shows. Everyone has great ancestors. Nobody's ever just like a regular dude, isn't that right, Michael? That's absolutely uh, correct. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's a great show, and uh, congratulations on all your success. And uh, uh the so, the second I season. To ask
3: was because you do you direct and you write and you do all this stuff. Do you see yourself making movies? You know, as you you know go on because you do have that eye and that of course with, you know especially building the sketches and all that. Mm.
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think that's that's one of the things that I'm certainly focusing on in the next year or two is is developing uh, scripts and, and other shows and yeah, helping other good. people with stuff, too. Like, yeah, yeah. I would love to. St- that stuff is 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 really exciting and fun for me. But um and stand up, of course.
2: Michael is uh, helping me I didn't want to say this he's helping me write my show about the psychic who um, <laughs> after after school massacres goes and, um, and and does psychic readings for all the parents who are grieving. Yo,
1: Robin said something. I, I also that like I always say it with, you know, especially
3: building the sketches and all that.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think that's that's one of the things that I'm certainly focusing on in the next year or two is is developing uh scripts that, in other shows and yeah, helping other people good. with stuff too like yeah, yeah. i would love to like st- that stuff is 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 really exciting and fun for me but um and stand up of course
2: michael is uh helping me i didn't want to say this he's helping me write my show about the psychic who um <laughs> after after school massacres goes and um and, and does psychic readings for all the parents who are grieving. yo
1: robin and- said something I, I also that like I always say it, it drives me crazy is that they never like the dead people never can just talk. No. They can never they just have say,
3: initials but they don't know their names. Yeah,
1: what are they are they doing charades or something? Like, why would <laughs> yeah, they just idiots. speak plainly?
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's so great. Um anyway, there's a million great sketches. Uh there's even one where um Michael tries to hold a black excellence brunch and no one shows up. And then there's a security guard holding a brown paper bag to make sure the attendees are black enough to get in. They have to be darker than a paper bag but that you know you're letting out all the
3: secrets nobody calls you on that (laughs)
2: this is called this is called a teaser uh watch the second season of that damn michael che now on hbo max a lot of great comedy there here michael on sirius xm's netflix is a joke channel 93 in today's comedy radio on pandora thanks for giving me so much time i'm saying in advance i i know i kept you too long but uh i just so appreciate you and love having you on and, um, uh, thank you for giving me the man, time and, thank and being you. so damn delightful.
1: Thank you so much, Howard. Like, seriously, I, it's, it's, I'm freaking out that you guys even paid attention to the show. Like, thank you so much for real. Uh,
3: it's a pleasure to have you
2: here.
1: Right. Michael Che, everyone. Uh, thanks, Michael. Peace. Peace. There
2: he goes, Michael Che, busy man. Jeez, I look like shit. I just, now, why didn't myself. you
3: compare Michael Che to Harry Styles
2: when you were giving because me Because uh, I didn't want to embarrass death. you. Because you're my woman and I don't want to embarrass you. That's why you got to stop that. All right, everybody. I find
3: him very sexy.
2: Yeah, I know you do. I see what's going on you can over tell?
3: there.
2: Yeah, I can tell. Uh, next Monday, Post Malone will be here. I'm anxious to Ooh. talk to him and, uh, we'll get to know Post Malone. Never had him on the show before, but I got turned I on to loved him. I that
3: story where you said, you know, you saw this guy with a tattoo on his face and then you heard him perform and you were like, boy, he's good
2: yeah but you know i've always stayed i guess i'm from a different generation when once you go to tattoo in the face man that's (laughs) that's hardcore man i i generally stay away from anyone who's tattooed (laughs) their face but uh, post malone i'm making an exception because i saw that uh thing he did when he covered all the nirvana songs yeah and uh geez that was fucking great man's an excellent musician so i'm looking forward to talking to him robin always looking forward to talking to you we'll resume uh, next week, everybody have a day. Shall we, fun day.
3: resume?
2: We shall, and we'll be, <laughs> uh, we'll, well, we'll see you next time. Bye.